Welcome into Hoopsville, everybody, as we are rolling along on this Thursday afternoon edition. I'm your host, Dave McHugh, coming to you from the WBCA and ABC studios. Thanks to D3Hoops.com. And, of course, our partners at Blue Frame Technology, along with Huddle, a partnership that we have fully reaffirmed of late. We'll have more information probably on a later show because it literally just all came together here at the last minute. If you got questions for us, tweet us at D3Hoopsville or hashtag Hoopsville. You can email us, Hoopsville at D3Sports.com. You can also join us on Facebook and on YouTube where we're simulcasting the show. Information scrolling at the bottom of your screen, but if you're listening, it's Facebook.com slash Hoopsville and it's YouTube.com slash D3Hoopsville. If you happen to be... Um, Listen to the podcast after the fact. Thanks for tuning into that. Hope you're enjoying it on whatever platform you may be enjoying it. Let us know. Um, like, review. Apparently that gets us maybe moved up a little bit higher. Um, for those of you watching, you do notice the door is slightly ajar. We're home alone today with the puppy, and uh, we've, we've had the door shut before for the puppy. Didn't work out so well for Tucker, so we're leaving the door open so he can come and go as he so pleases. So bear with us seeing a little bit of the back step. Lot going on in Division Three today, to say the least. Uh, updates on games last night, for example, some dandies of a game. Congratulations, John Carroll, huge win over Mount Union. Also, congrats to North Park with what I would call their signature win of the season over Wheaton. We'll try and talk about that later in the program. We have a lot to get into, uh, including starting with some of the news with coaching decisions and um, infractions or whatever you want to call it. In Division Three, it has been a bonkers January. A number of coaches have been let go uh, for reasons that we do know and we don't know. We never even talked about the centenary situation on the last show, which was my mistake. Centenary of New Jersey let go of their coach last week. Uh, their interim coach coached on Saturday. Apparently something happened after the Cabrini game on Wednesday, somewhere before they let uh, the coach go on Friday. I have tried to get more information, run into some roadblocks. Uh, I've tried to get a hold of the coach, can't get his information. So I've not been able to get more information on all of that, but seemingly a quick decision. We mentioned on air last show that we didn't have much out of the Concordia-Chicago situation other than we had heard that um, uh, the rest of their season appeared to be over. Uh, I have since been, uh, well, on the air that night, we missed this, but on air that night, as reported by WBBM CBS Chicago, and I apologize now, I'm going to have to rush to go get the reporter's name because I'm just doing that kind of stuff. Um, Sarah Machi, I think it's Machi, it might be Maki. Uh, Sarah report, has been reporting most of this out of Chicago. She reported that uh, Steve Kohler had been terminated. I confirmed that. He had been terminated earlier that day, so that was Monday. Uh, there have been apparently some developments. We don't know anything more than Sarah has reported. Uh, but what I do know from information shared with me from a third party, we do know that the team looked like they were possibly looking for games. Um, that apparently, and Sarah reported that the NCAA forced them to forfeit the rest of their season. That's not actually how it works. I've not been able to talk to Sarah in more depth, uh, more details. We have traded a few messages, but I didn't have any time to, to give her a call. The NCAA doesn't make those decisions. Division three doesn't make those decisions. It sounds like maybe the conference made that decision. The NCAC um, basically told the team, um, your season's over. Or maybe if they played games, they wouldn't count towards conference um, action. Thus, they're not in the conference tournament. I don't know that for sure. This is just scuttlebutt that has been going around that I'm trying to piece together. Um, 
we have reached out to Coach Kohler. There is nothing we can report on the record. We hope that at a later date, we're going to be able to talk to him and get more information on that situation. But remember, that was a situation where curfew was broken on a West Coast trip where they lost two games. They came back at a very hard practice that resulted in six players going to the hospital. In that scenario, um, at least one that I'm aware of, according to Sarah's reporting, is not even clear to get back into practicing and playing yet. So they haven't had the numbers to play. Again, a lot going on there. We don't know all the details. We're trying to get to the bottom of it, and we will certainly do that. Part of the reason we couldn't get to the bottom of that was breaking news this week. Mark Moorefield terminated at Mary Harden Baylor Women's Basketball. He had been the coach there since 2015, obviously very successful. We've had him on the show a number of times. Terminated, and according to multiple reports and what I was able to confirm myself, is that this stems from an incident in November where he yelled at the team, used some profanity, um, but basically, well, it's comp. So what I understand it is that that situation took place, and we'll play video in a moment of that situation. It was captured on their huddle um, practice camera. Um, The team is huddled around him, and he is yelling. There are some swear words. We're warning you now. We were unable to mute those out, so just be careful. Um... He apparently the team met the next day and cleared the air, as I understand it, and then moved on. But this video was shared around. But apparently, everyone thought it was a done deal and over. Excuse me, I'm still dealing with the ramifications of COVID. My throat is not back to 100%. Anyway, um, it came up recently. There's a lot I know. And there's unfortunately a good chunk I cannot give you right now. So let's go to the video. At least I'm going to try to go to the video here to um, give you a sense of what was happening here. Bear with me as I just make sure you can hear the audio. Yeah, I I think. No, let's let's do that. Hopefully that will translate. And let's see if we can at least give you a sense of what is going on here. Clearly that's not going to work just yet, so bear with me. Um, For some reason we have an audio problem in the system, which is kind of surprising to me. We don't have anything else open. Um, so yeah, I'm not sure why we were getting that clip. So we're going to, we're going to try one more time, see if we can play this video. What I'm going to actually do is try and use my microphone with the audio, um, and see if, if that will, will help us. We'll try this one other trick first.
I'll be honest, I'm not sure you could hear that. And if you couldn't, I apologize. It is on Twitter. The team broke up. There was no physical touch uh, that we could see. Uh, certainly some swear words. Now, we are at a Christian college in Mary Hardin-Baylor, and from what I understand, there are rules about swearing. Here's the caveat to that. I cannot imagine, and I'll ask you I cannot, if you can imagine that every other coach at that university, and I do mean every, there's some really big programs at Mary Hardin-Baylor, hasn't sworn. Now, we are understanding that his firing is based on that that he was fired because he swore at the team. Now, this came up, again, this is a this is a preseason practice in early November, and it's now coming up in the last week. That's as we understand it. Here's a statement that apparently Mark, that Mark Moorfield gave to Dave Campbell's Texas basketball, and it reads, My coaching intensity to build a consistent championship program did not align with the university. We mutually agreed to go a different direction. I wish them the best as they finish out the season. I look forward to building another program in the near future. Again, that's a statement at Dave Campbell's Texas Basketball. Mark Moorfield gave us a statement that's a little different. His reads, I look forward to telling my side of the entire story very soon. It was not my finest moment and out of character. My emotions got the best of me due to the player who had just torn her ACL moments earlier in practice. I was upset for that player because of the hard work she had put in to have a successful season. I look forward to being on Hoopsville Monday evening, and at that time we'll share the story about my departure from UMHB. The parentheses are our edits to clarify what he's trying to say. Again, that's a statement from Mark Moorfield that he has shared with us, and as you see, he is saying that he will come on this program on Monday to discuss this, and we will ask him about it. It apparently stems from a possibly, possibly, and I please emphasize that, a disgruntled player and maybe others. I confirmed that that player is no longer with the program. I am not sure if she was asked. I I can't state for sure if she was asked to leave or left on her own or some combination of there. She was a transfer to Mary Harden-Baylor. I was able to confirm at her previous stop, which we're not going to discuss, that at that location, there were some issues and she was asked to leave the team. That's all I've got. We will learn more from Mark on Monday. We will be reaching out to the university to see if they have a statement. I, to some degree, in, in conversations that I have had about this scenario... What it reminds me of is the Mary, is the U.S. men's soccer situation in, in the fact that the, the Reyna family, the parents, Claudio, the, the former U.S. men's soccer player, and his wife, who are best friends with Burhalter, the head coach at men's soccer, and his wife, or had been best friends, for eons after they all played together, they were ticked off at the lack of time of their son, Gio, in the World Cup and some things said about his behavior on the team. If you want to read up about it, it's fascinating, but man, it is disturbing. Not in the sense of what Gio or the team did, but what the parents decided to do when their son was finally outed for his behavior. There's an element of that that's reminding me here in this Mary Harden-Baylor case. 
Again, we'll talk more about that on Monday. I'm trying to get all the facts and all the details. But from what I am gathering, it, it seems like this scenario brought happened in November that apparently most of the team is fine with, moved on from even, was put back and given to administration, and administration acted from there. And I'm talking about way higher than the athletics department. We'll, we'll try and get more on Monday. Again, there's a lot of information I know that I cannot put out there right now. We will try and clear the air on Monday and get more. But that's the situation with Mark Moorfield. You also have the situation at Concordia, Chicago. We have not gotten an information update on Albion, but I've also heard that might be moving in a positive direction. The team is at least playing. So there, we have absolutely downloaded on you, and we haven't even talked about the absolutely bonkers show that is on the air tonight or today. Coming up here momentarily, we'll be talking to both um, both committee chairs, Megan Wilson on the women's side, Sarah Kodraki on the men's side. We'll give a good chunk of time there, lots to talk to them about that. We will also talk after that to four programs, which you see over my left shoulder. We will talk to the center women's basketball team and the Concordia Moorfield women's basketball team, having great seasons. We'll also talk to the Calvin men's basketball team and the Brockport men's basketball team. They're having great seasons, too. All of that, and we'll try and dive into a great night of basketball last night as well. Did you get all that? If you've got questions for us, tweet us at D3Hoopsville or hashtag Hoopsville. You can email us, hoopsville at d3sports.com. You can also join us live streamed on Twitter or on YouTube and Facebook, youtube.com slash Hoopsville, facebook.com slash D3Hoopsville. Lots to talk about. Again, we will return to the conversation regarding Mark Moorfield on Monday. Mark has told us that he will appear here exclusively to discuss his departure from the university. So there you go. I hope that all made sense. Uh, we'll take a break. When we come back, we will shift gears. We will talk to the committee chairs and everything that is involved regarding that. Lots to talk there. Questions that you have asked, questions that we have as well. You're listening to Hoopso, presented by T3Hoops.com from the WBCA and ABC studios. Plenty more ahead. are your teams, your players, your community of fans. This is where they play, where they practice, where you cheer at every meet, every event, every game. Your community is passionate, dedicated, supportive. You know the tension of a close game and the thrill of the win. So while you're cheering, keep an eye out for anything out of the ordinary. If you see something suspicious, say something to local authorities. It starts right when you hit the court. You imagine your finest moment. The game-winning shot that gets you to the dance. A monster dunk or no-look pass. And cutting down the net. 
Sports lets us dream of our own success and prepare us for our finest moments on and off the court. got more schools than Division One, more fans than Division Two, and more upsets than March Madness. There's 800 programs with over 11,000 games leading to two national championships. And we've been covering it all for over a decade. From Eastern to Occidental, from Puget Sound to Piedmont, from Southwestern to the University of New England, and from Hope to Calvin. Nobody covers Division Three basketball like we do. We're D3Hoops.com at www.d3hoops.com. It's on us to stop sexual assault. In any way that we can. To get a friend home safe. To never blame the victim. It's on us. To stand up. To make our community safe for all. It's on us. It's on us to look out for each other at parties. It's on us. To be more than just a bystander. To step up and say something. It's on us, all of us, to, to stop, stop sexual assault. assault. Learn how and take the pledge at itsonus.org. Welcome back to Hoopsville, everybody. As we continue to roll along on this Thursday afternoon, audio is a little hot. I apologize, but we're working on it. Microphone has gone from being quiet to loud, but that's okay. I take loud. If you've got questions for us, tweet us at D3Hoopsville, hashtag Hoopsville. You can also email us, Hoopsville at D3Sports.com. We're live simulcasting the show on Facebook and YouTube, Facebook.com slash Hoopsville, YouTube.com slash D3Hoopsville. If you missed all that, check your bottom of your screen if you're watching us live. Scrolling down there. If you're on our podcast, thanks for... Uh, watching or listening i should say and and please like us on your podcast system maybe review us tell us how great or not great we are we'd greatly appreciate it all right it's that time of year to start talking about regional rankings sadly as we're four and a half weeks to the end of the season i I just don't want the season to end uh we also have so much more to talk about about how everything will will play out and what else is to be considered and what has changed what hasn't changed what do we need to know? What do we not need to know? Man, there's so much. So joining us on the Blue Frame Technology Hoopsville Hotline for an exclusive conversation, we welcome Megan Wilson and Sarah Quadraki. I'll point out, in my memory, this is the first time two women are in charge of both sports committees. Um, I don't believe the men's basketball committee has ever had a woman. The only caveat to that is our friend Dave Martin, who has served as chair of both at one time or another, which was pretty fun. But ladies, thanks so much. Um, first and foremost, how are you? Uh, we'll start with Sarah. How you guys, how, how you ladies doing? Thanks, Dave. Thanks for having us. And um, you are correct. Um, I believe I am the first woman to not only be the chair um, of the men's basketball committee, but to um, serve on the men's basketball committee. So um, definitely not something that I ever thought of um, when I um, applied to be on the committee um, years ago, five years ago, I think. Um, but it's um, been a pleasure um, and definitely um, serving in this um, capacity this year. Um, it's been uh, one of the highlights of my career, serving on the committee and now serving as chair and also getting to know Megan through the process. Um, we've become good friends, fast friends, um, and had a lot to, to bond over in the past few years um, as um, we've brought our committees closer um, working together and providing um, better experiences for our student athletes. Didn't even occur to me that you might have been the first woman on the committee in the first place. Um, yeah, I, I rack yeah. in my brain and my ears don't remember one either. So that's I, I should have just <laughs> we should have led with that. 
Yeah. Um, Megan, great to have you as well. Uh, you're not the first woman on your committee. I apologize. We can't give you that no. fanfare. Um, but you are uh, one. Not you're also not one of the first who's done multiple uh, stretches here as chair. Welcome back. How are you? Uh, how are things going? I, I'm good. Thanks for having me. Um, excited uh, to serve as the chair of the women's basketball committee again for another year. I feel like last year was kind of some good practice and it's an exciting year for division three with the joint championship, which I'm sure we'll talk about later. So um, appreciate you having us on and all you do for D three hoops. And yeah, Sarah and I have uh, gotten to know each other pretty quickly and uh, working really well together. So it's really exciting to see how in my time serving as a rat on the rack and now on the national committee to see how the evolution of the relationship between the two committees has evolved. Sure. Uh, and, and while we're at it, let's just jump to it. Uh, your thoughts on the season so far, Megan? Yeah, you know, uh, we got some historical powerhouses kind of sitting up there at the top. There's been some good basketball games, some, you know, undefeated teams still, some with just one or two blemishes on their resume. And then, you know, you have, you know, Final Four team like Whitewater coming in with, you know, a 648 SOS. And, you know, they've dropped a few more, but you traditionally see that in the YX. So there, there's been some really great games. Um, and it's crazy because it seems like now this time of year we get into rankings and there's always shakeups. And how did my team go from first to fifth and, you know, all of those things. So it's about to get real fun. Love this time of year, though, as a former coach. It's exciting. Yeah, and last night proved it was even good games on the women's side. And, and man, um, <laughs> Sarah on the men's side. Uh, it's a good thing you haven't done regional rankings yet. There's a lot that's changed <laughs> just in the last week or two. Yeah. Yeah. And like right now we're about to start, you know, that second round of conference play for a lot of conferences. And this is where there's just like a lot of great basketball that's about to happen over these next two to three weeks. And it's just like you were saying, Dave, this is the best time of year. Um, and so uh, for us to have to sit and do the regional rankings, it's almost like we have a really hard job to do, um, you know, over these next few weeks. And, um, you know, it's really tough because we're really looking at just literally everything about a team's resume. And um, we don't get to enjoy it as much, um, I feel like, over the, the next few weeks um, where, the you know, the past couple of months we've really gotten to enjoy, you know, watching a lot of games and, you know, watching teams kind of rise to the top and watching these big games and, um, but here we really need to, um, you know, kind of zone in, um, getting these rankings right because it's so important. Um, and, you know, especially when we get in, I'm sure we're going to talk about how we um, do regional rankings and all of that. It's really important that we get them right each week um, as we get down to those those final days and final weeks um, before we build that bracket. Real quick, um, how much – I know the eye test is not a factor in a, in a lot of ways, but how much is it important – to at least understand what these teams look like or who you're talking about? Um, I'll go first. Um, for me, it's just really important. Um, when I, you know, just like starting off um, in October, uh, you know, we had a couple uh, new committee members, you know, and just the advice that I give to them is watch games, you know, um, get on, watch games. Um, if you're not watching games, you got to at least know scores. You got to know what's happening, not even in your own region. You got to know what's happening around the country. Um, but it's also good to watch games. If you're not watching all the games, like 
get on, watch finishes. Well, you know, last night, you know, of course I'm watching finishes. I know our former chair, um, Mike, he probably doesn't want me to to mention that game on air, but you know, like I'm, I'm watching, you know, I'm watching, you know, those games and, um, you know, you have to really just kind of be a basketball nerd this time of year. And, um, you really got to know what's happening because it really makes you better at your job, um, for these next few weeks. And, um, you know, when you get on our national calls, it helps when you're, you're really talking about teams and when we're really, you know, our criteria is set up to really um, rank regional rankings. And, you know, it's really hard then when we're trying to compare teams from region to region um, as we get into, you know, those last couple of weeks when we're trying to determine who the best teams in the country are. And so it's really good to, to really get to know the teams from the different regions and around the country. Megan, similar? Yeah, I would. I was just going to echo. I, I think it's most important for the the rack chairs on the national committee, right? Because, like Sarah said, the the ranking criteria is set up to compare teams regionally. So when we start to talk about you know the top teams in the country, the p- possible hosts, um, when we're setting up the tournament, it, it's hard to know how does a a region three number one compared to a region eight number one or, or vice versa. And so I think the more knowledgeable as national committee, we can be in how those teams kind of stack up against one another, the best we can do at putting together a good tournament. Certainly makes sense. All right. Let's, we got a bunch of questions, so let's get into it. We've got a lot to cover before we have to let you two go, which I appreciate the time you've given us. Uh, anything already popped up that needs to be addressed that you guys are already noticing that you're gonna have to discuss with committees, Megan? I don't think so. Um, I mean, I think we're probably going to talk about the fact that we're ranking less teams this year. Um, I think everybody's excited about that. Um, So that's changed. Um, You know, obviously we have the priority years. So this year for women's basketball, first and second rounds priority. Um, But I don't, I don't think there's anything that's popped up that we need to address. Um, And, you know, we've been communicating on a regular basis. So those are things that I feel like we have a good handle on. Uh, Sarah, from your perspective? Yeah, there's there's nothing. Um, Megan and I do a great job of making sure that we're on the same page. Um, our committees, our committee chairs have met regularly throughout the summer, throughout the fall, um, even as, you know, last week, um, making sure we're on the same page about a lot of things. Um, we know that women's basketball has the priority this year in, in the hosting first and second round. Um, not really much that'll surprise us going into these um, last few Yeah, everybody weeks. looks for that in the handbook, we should point out. That's really in the bylaws because it's across all <laughs> sports. Um, and if anybody really needs to remind, remember, and Megan, no, this is not picking on you, we can always remember the Christopher Newport situation from last year. The women are on the road at Hopkins in the opening weekend is the easiest way. Uh, let's go through a couple of questions. And really, they, they stem from our um, conversations with, or people who sent them in. We'll start with this one. Uh, basically, it's from Scott. It says, how many teams are actually ranked uh, in each region? Because as we should remind everybody, there has been a change in this in this category. M- Megan, let's start with you. Yeah, so the number of teams at each region for basketball will rank is seven. Um, so that'll be across all 10 regions, which will be a significant uh difference for some regions from a year ago some were ranking seven last year and that won't change for them um but seven is the number across the board for basketball 
So yeah, it's seven we, across. So you're you're not going to have different numbers in each region. Uh, Sarah, your your situation. Uh, we have a, a caveat in region two. Um, uh, they'll remain at uh, ranking six, um, just because that'll be at twenty percent there. So um, it's seven across the board in all regions except for region two, which they'll and, remain. Uh, if memory serves, right. we were at what ten last year for every region. Yeah. Yeah. And really, and I, I remember hearing this from Mike Shower and Megan, I think I remember hearing it from you last year, too. It was too many, right? Way too many. Way <laughs> too many. We were spending too much time on the <laughs> seven, eight, nine, yeah. ten teams in the and, region yeah. that we likely weren't going to be talking about when it came to selecting our at-large yeah. bids. Well, and the reason why that's so important to get those teams right is because they were giving – teams wins in the regionally ranked right. opponent category. Yeah. And so if we didn't get those teams right, you know, it had a major effect sure. on the other teams. And so, I mean, I know on our ranking call, you know, our national calls, I mean, that was probably 70% of our time was ranking, you know, the bottom half of each region. I mean, you know, we'd start our reports for every, you know, region and the top three or four are pretty, pretty clear you know then it's like yeah. the bottom that gets really muddy you know we'd have that triangular death of you know that's what we would call it you know and have to go round and round and round um but the bottom of a lot of regions were really really muddy um we should also point it kind of deja vu to when it was once ranked always ranked and you would all of a sudden have a team with 20 rankings and you're like well, you can't weed through all of this it's a little muddy so uh so numbers have been changed for the good we'll see how that all plays out um any other changes that we oh uh, squad sizes uh ron i apologize he asked this question i never put a graphic together for it but he did ask about squad sizes we see in the women's handbook it's listed at 15 i know there was a change mike shower mentioned it on his interview uh last week on the men's side can we just confirm squad sizes are the same for both right and it's been increased to 15 the bench size has been increased there will right, still that's only a better way of 15. saying it thank you I think the confusion comes in the nomenclature, right? Like people call squad size, bench size, travel party, per diem reimbursement, you know, so yeah, it, it's the same across the board. We've increased opportunity for student athletes, both men's and women's basketball. Um, the bench size has increased uh, by two chairs um, and we are letting all student athletes um, who sit on the bench be dressed for the games and a, they will be allowed to warm up and take part in pregame warmups. Um, only 15 will go in the official scores book, though, and 15 are the number of student athletes that will be allowed to enter the game. What's the well, then? How many on the bench? Depends on how many coaching. It, it's up to the institution to. But I mean, what's so the max? 20 chairs. 20. Five will be okay. out on the court. Okay. No, I, I thought I might have missed it, but I, I wasn't sure. So 20 chairs are available, 15 mm -hmm. players up to can suit. Got it. Thank you. Yeah. I, I, no, I was even confused. More than myself. that can suit. Yeah. That's where the confusion comes in. Oh, see, that's why I am confused then. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Yeah. Yep. So only 15 will go in the official scorebook. Only 15 will be able to enter the game. But if a an institution has two coaches, so they, they take up two bench chairs, and they have five out on the floor – um, they can really have up to 23 suited for that oh, game. Yeah. I didn't consider that fact. The five are on the yeah. floor. You still have chairs available. Yeah. Okay. Makes a little more sense then. Got it. Cool. Thank you. That is, it, it was a little confusing, but that makes 10 times more sense. 
I'm glad I actually yeah. asked that question. Thanks, Ron. <laughs> that was a more in-depth question. question than I thought it was going to be. Yeah, and then that can be changed from game to game throughout the tournament and all the, like, whoever goes in the official book. And so you don't have to, no longer would a team have to submit who is on the official roster to the committee. Got it. Per each weekend, they just have to put it in the book like they would do for any other game who is dressing for that game. Yeah, no, makes total yeah. sense. Thank you very much. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, it might be a little muddy for some, and we'll clear it up. But now I actually have a better understanding of that scenario. And I know, by the way, that's across all sports. There were some adjustments to those numbers. Um, by the way, do you have lacrosse's? No, I'm kidding. Uh, <laughs> any changes to criteria? Are we pretty much in the same boat here, Sarah, as we've been for years? Yeah, we tried. You know, Megan and I both um, – Give it a valid effort. Um, we went to the championships committee meeting and, you know, we, we try, we've um, had some proposals um, that we proposed um, to championships committee. We'd really like to get that non-conference SOS um, calculation changed. Um, but we um, learned through the process that that is actually a legislation um, change. So that can't be changed through either her or I or the basketball um, committee. Um, so was... we we really need a strong voice. If anybody's out there, we need a strong voice on championships committee that can make a proposal to legislation that can get that done. Um, so we really need, um, you know, a strong voice that can help us get that done. Um, that might be my next step. You know, I roll off of this committee um, after this year. I might need to, that if there's one thing, I know um, one of my counterparts uh, Luke, he would be very happy if I would take that to the next step. So, um, but we really would like to get that calculation changed. I was assuming you two were teaming up at the convention to to push that through for next year. I, I mean, we're we trying. We still might. We <laughs> might get our two conferences together, another conference. I mean, we might just take on, you know, where are we going next year? Phoenix. Um, that might yeah. be our, yes. Oh, we, Phoenix. We, that's we a shame. That I'll be there in late February. Um Quick, Megan, remind us. I, this is a rabbit hole. Can you remind us of what oh, the actual hole. math is for the opponent opponent winning percentage? Are you talking about the non conference? Yeah, I guess we're talking non conference. Correct. Right. Yeah, I'm talking non. This is where it gets wonky. Yes, yep. the non conference SOS. What is the actual math for that? So, unlike most believed, it's not just your non conference strength of opponent strength of schedule it's right. their non-conference opponents strength of schedules and that was one of the things that sarah and i try to get changed uh, with the championships committee we also tried to change um uh the weighted men's basketball has a little bit different terms of weighted uh wins for on the road um that is not included in the women's basketball uh calculations in terms of uh sos so we tried to get that changed but that kind of fell along with that secondary criteria for non-conference SOS. So we're trying. Um, Don't shoot the messengers, I guess. Nope. (laughs) I understand. I'm just trying to remember what the hell the math is. Yeah. And I know it makes a big difference. It does make a big difference. Um, I think the only, I don't, I, I don't know. The only thing, at least all the teams are being compared the same, right? Like it's the same criteria for everybody it's just not what people thought it was i think for the most part yeah i think we still just need to um 
you know, put a value on teams, scheduling a good schedule, getting out there and playing. You still have to find that balance between um, going out and playing people and you got to win some games. Um, you also can't schedule no one and win all your games, if that makes sense. Um, can have that low SOS and have a high winning percentage. So there has to be um, a great balance. Um, so, you know, we just have to continue to make it work on what we call the first page, which is the primary criteria. And, um, you know, we try, at least on our committee, we try to make all of our decisions there. If we have to go to that non-conference um, SOS, um, that is a very last resort. Um, and like I said, we just, I think um, because we've been so vocal about it, very transparent, um, especially Dave letting us use your platform um, and a lot through social media as well. Um, I think coaches are finally getting the hint, like you've got to play people, you got to play people. Yeah. But I, I feel like this math being a little wonky, it, it, it is discourages but... it a little bit too. I would say still in teams that have, uh, leagues, um, you know, that aren't as strong Agreed. when they're going out and scheduling some tough non-conference, it still shows in their, that non-conference SOS and secondary, no, probably not to the same yeah. level. It just doesn't have the same weight. Yeah. 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 But well, I, I for would example, say you don't have the weight of tapping into that good conference. Sure. That makes any their sense. whole schedule. Yeah. yeah. Right. You don't get you don't yeah. get the, you don't get the benefit whole... of playing the WIAC. You don't get the benefit of playing the CCA. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm being very simplistic there. Yeah, you're right. Because yeah. except for the fact that a lot of those conferences are also playing tough non conference schedules. Mm-hmm. Right. So right. I, I would say I think we're all in agreement. It needs to change. Um but, but Sarah's right to the, you know, you still have to make an effort to go out and try to schedule some games. No, absolutely. Yep. No, I agree with you. Um, totally do. And to some degree, it may even hedge the bet. And we've brought up Yeshiva last year. They're not re- It's not relevant this year, this example. Mm-hmm. But a lot of play teams I don't think wanted to play Yeshiva because they didn't want to get dinged by Yeshiva's conference. In yeah. that case, now they could play Yeshiva because they're not going to take that ding. So there is a yin and a yang to that. <laughs> I don't. I don't necessarily – like that but anyway we'll move on like i said it's a rabbit hole um i just noticed a misspelling here so bear with me uh next question comes from scott says assuming the first set of regional excuse me uh rankings um are alphabetical uh what is the process for selecting those teams and is record results versus regional ranked opponents a criteria that is used when determining that first alphabetical set of regional rankings? This is a question we have talked about last year. We're just making sure to reiterate it for anybody who's out there. Sarah, we'll start with you because, to be honest with you, this was the men's basketball idea that at first we hated. Now we understand, but we still wish was better. I know, I know. Okay, so we got to make sure that we get those teams right the first week. And so we use the same process we use every week. We just don't have that criteria. Um, we don't have, we don't use that criteria because we don't have it. It's not calculated um, because there are no regionally ranked wins for that week. And so we make sure that we have the teams correct. We still rank them. Um, we just make sure that we have them correct. Um, and we still know they're just not officially, you know, official, right? Um, one through 
whatever, six, seven, you know, <laughs> right. yeah, whatever they are. Um, but we, we just don't have that last piece of the puzzle um, to, to make it official. And so we would hate to, um, you know, lock them in in that, you know, order um, without that last piece of the criteria, because once you do, um, it is really hard to kind of, you know, jump um, teams um, if you, once you lock them into a position. So um, I've done this long enough. I've been on a lot of racks, a lot of sport, you know, sport to sport. And, um, you know, if you got somebody ranked two and then the next week you want to jump them with another team, you really got to have, you know, all the criteria available to do that. And sure. so that's why it's really important um, that we do it this way. And I know it's frustrating for some people. They want to hold, you know, I know, I know you want another week of rankings, um, uh, but this is how we're, how we're doing it. Um, and um, I appreciate everybody just being patient with us as we go through our process. Oh, and quickly, and Megan, maybe you can answer this. Or, or is there an effort to, uh, our idea was, listen, take your mock rankings, put them out as a pre-ranking and state plain and simple. This is a pre-ranking. This is not official. It's just so you understand where everybody kind of sits. It's alphabetical, but now week one, We've got the data we can use in week one. Because as one person pointed out to me, you go alphabetical with week one. Week two is based off the alphabetical, so you don't even have the positioning that you can work off of. So that's not complete data either in week two because week one, you're not saying, well, they played a number one or they played a number six. You're just saying they played a ranked team. So then it gets to week three before you really fill in that data point to say, well, yeah, and and my argument in other sports has been, listen, you're now telling teams you don't have a really good idea where you're regionally ranked until the final week of the season. And, yes, you could argue they, that's certainly true because everything changes, but they truly don't understand their ranking. If they're alphabetically ranked, they wouldn't be ranked anyway. They fall out, or in week two, they're still being kind of boosted by a non-ordered ranking. Then week three, they're in the playoffs, and it's too late to really understand that really they're not in great shape or maybe they're in better shape than they thought. Megan, is there, an, is there a thought there of trying to tweak it to get it where you can fill that data point in in week one? If you're asking if it's been discussed, I brought it forward. Um, not sure that it had a whole lot of uh, traction. Um, I will oh. say that while they're released alphabetically as a committee, we kind of, we have an idea of where they're sitting and like the NCAA likes to do, the criteria, the primary criteria for results versus ranked is just that results versus ranked. So it's not necessarily saying, I think this is where some of the subjectivity comes in, right? We're not saying a, a win over a number one or a loss. Like right. there's some subjectivity there in terms right. of results versus ranked opponents. So we really do have that data point by our first numerical ranking. Um, but and maybe I'm wrong because I'm so laser focused on basketball, but this isn't just a basketball thing. This is um, a, right. Soccer's are alphabetically oh, I ranked. Have, I, I made this, I had this conversation in soccer. I, I took yeah. a, at least one chair aside and said, listen, blah, blah, blah. And, and they were able to give some counterpoints, which was helpful. But I think they even started to understand, as I said, teams don't understand their true situation until the final week of the season. And at that point it's too late. 
you know, maybe it's you also, play a starter a little bit longer. Maybe you, maybe you don't play a start some starters a little longer. Maybe you you're trying to save yourself, or you really know you got to push forward. Now it's too late to make those decisions because four games have gone by, and you didn't. You thought you were X, and it turns out you weren't even. I'm diving in a little bit deep on that, sure. but no, you're right. It's not just basketball. Yeah. I think just a couple of, of caveats that is interesting. I actually talked to the D2 women's basketball chair this week when we were in Dallas and we were just talking about serving on the committee and what a, you know, a blessing it's been to be the chair and kind of as coaches right before you serve on a rack, you're just a basketball coach, you know, and have these ideas and you have some of those questions, serve, get on your regional rack. You'll have a much better understanding of it. Um, it's probably one of the best professional development experiences uh, that you'll ever go through. You'll meet great people. Um, so I, I think I'm not sure it's too late, right? Like it's also really hard to explain to a coach when we were ranking numerically the first week. Well, I was number one, but now results versus rank come into play. And some of these teams went from five to one and jumped you. And it's really hard to have those conversations and make coaches understand as well. So I think there's pros and cons to both. I don't think we'll find a solution that will please everybody. And as former men's basketball chair, Mike Shower would say, you can't make chocolate chip cookies without chocolate chips. Yes. Damn. Is he written a book that you guys are using? No, I'm just joking. <laughs> That's true, though. I mean, yeah. No, I get the point. Of why I mean, it's medical. a huge when, – when you only have five – data points for primary criteria and sometimes you don't even have results versus common or head to head so then really you're trying to make rankings with an sos and a win loss and because we don't get definitive on what's significant there you have tons of subjectivity we've we've already gotten hammered to a point that men's basketball committee seems to value a high sos where women's basketball committee tends to value a high win loss right like so you already have that Mm -hmm. and to take that data point out it just it, it makes it more difficult. Yeah. Well, and no, and, and that's why I'm saying if we could use the mock rankings at the practice round to say, listen, because you treat those as their regular rankings anyway, because you've got to go through the process, the pro, you know, to make sure everybody's ready. Yeah. Okay. Let's use that mock. Let's release that as a pre-ranking. It's not official other than to fill in the data point. That's all it is. It's just fill in the data point. So we're one step further down the road in week one instead of three, what feels like three steps back, but we could dive into this more. We got, we're running out of time. I got a bunch of other things to go into. We'll certainly talk more about it later when these rankings come out, but I appreciate the insight. Uh, this next question is kind of double edged. Uh, I'm skipping a little bit or a kind of combination things here, but, uh, will men continue to stagger tip times the best they can? And will women get involved in that this year? The follow-up to that is also, will women's basketball second weekend really only be four games? Why not? And I'm, I, shorten this the elite eight final four set up like the men have done and we were obviously we were planning to do it in 2020 but we did it in 2013 so that's the question there uh, megan we'll start or no sarah we'll start with you staggered times are they coming back yeah we're gonna continue with that we saw um, a lot of success with that we got a lot of great feedback with that um so we're gonna continue i think that's one of the things we're really proud of in our tournament um so we're gonna continue with the staggered start times uh, moving forward. Megan, any thought of doing it yourselves? There's been discussions, um, but I don't, I, I don't know where we've landed. I can't give you a, I think it's great. Okay. Um, but again, I'm one voice. So. No, I understand. Just curious. Yep. Um, follow up to that. 
Megan, the second part of that, Megan, was uh, women are going with a 2-2-1-0-1 format, which means two games first weekend, two games second weekend, as we normally would. Final four uh, in Trinity, or at Trinity in Connecticut, a week off, and then in Dallas for the championship game. Men have gone, well, 2013 was a whole nother story. Let's not even remember that one. But the 2020 plan was two ra- games first round, single game that second weekend, which is what got called off. Then the Elite Eight Final Four at the at Fort Wayne, a week off in the championships in Atlanta that year. Has there been any conversation, Megan, of doing that kind of format with women? Making a big deal of that championship? So I actually had to do some digging on this because I wasn't around when these decisions had been made. It sounds like um, there was some feedback back from 2013 when the uh, men's was a joint championship. Would that have been the last time men was a joint championship? That's the championship? last time it got executed. It was planned for 2020. Sure. Yep. And so it sounds like there was some feedback that we tried to preserve the the championship experience for as many teams as possible. So our, our semifinals in Connecticut this year will feel for those four teams, just like a final four weekend, just without the championship game. And so it sounds like there was some feedback to the division three committee, um, not just women's basketball that back in 2013, that one weekend with just one game instead of the two games for the men just didn't feel like an NCAA championship experience. Cause it but was there were just two games. Game. There was a lead eight and final four. The weekend prior to that. Yes. Well, the so week, wasn't in 2013, the, it was all out of whack because we got stretched out into a six-week format instead of a five-week format. Yeah. So we went one round, one round, two rounds when it should. When in 2020, it was supposed to go two, one, two, but we yeah, never so, got to so experience 2020. I, I'm just told that. Yeah, no, I'm surprised. Some of the fact that came that that one game round did not feel. Oh, the, like the a one game rounds in 2013 was completely out of whack because we were dragging out the tournament thanks to CBS. So I I agree with that. Yeah, I'm just surprised that that's where the lean is. It's too bad then 2020 didn't take place because I would have loved to heard the feedback out of 2020. But, Megan, I appreciate appreciate the the insight. It's something that we'll definitely evaluate for the next joint championship. Yep. Uh, Speaking of championships, women in Dallas, as we mentioned, last year championship game got on CBS. D3 paid for that. How's that happening this year, Megan? Is, are, is that game going to get featured on ESPN, who does the Women's Final Four, or on CBS separately, or is this going back to Turner? It will be on CBS. So again CBS this year. is going to do it, even. Yep. <laughs> From a production so guy I be- standpoint, I believe both uh, CBS and I don't quote me. I believe CBS will be doing both Division Three and Division Two. Well, they probably will, but it's funny because that. ESPN's doing all the rest. Yep. I'm, and so, this, so then we, we will evaluate that truck. contract moving forward and what that looks That's, like. It's just crazy. I, I, it's either they're bringing the second truck or they're, or they're doing it all out of one, which is, listen, production crews, we, we cross-pollinate. When I worked for World Team Tennis, we broadcast on four different networks. It's not impossible. But at that point, CBS and ESPN are using their own crews. So it is a little surprising. Anyway, I digress. But thank you for that answer. Um, yeah. Men's format, obviously, it's the same. Uh, what's but it's a little bit different, um, Sarah, because we now have the buy between buy. We have a day off between the championship and se- uh, and semis, which I experienced at soccer. How, yeah. How's that going to play out in Fort Wayne for that week? Yeah, so in Fort Wayne, um, just like last year, uh, teams will come on Tuesday. Uh, Wednesday will be full practice day. Thursday we have games at five thirty and eight. Um, and then we'll have the day off Friday. That'll just be light day practice. 
um, if the teams wish to do so. And then national championship will be at 4 p.m. on Saturday on CBS. Okay, so CBS still involved, which is good to hear. Mm-hmm. Um, and I believe I've been told the NABC All-Star Game will take place ahead of that Friday. championship game. So there will be a day off, a full day yeah. off in between. Yeah, yeah they come in Friday. Um, they'll have a practice on Friday, and then the NABC will be there as well. Yep. Couple quick things I got to skip through because we're running out of time. We should remind everybody we're back to 500 miles. The 600 miles is not being used. Something we can discuss at a later date because um, we're not going to have time now is how that 500 miles um, will be utilized. But we can talk. We have other opportunities to talk about that. There's also a discussion in Division Three about spending more money. We'll see. We'll talk more about that at a later date about how that might impact bracketing. Um, and, and I, and I had a random question there. We can skip handbooks. Aren't very uniform. These ladies know that I've said that before to them. We'll talk about that another time. I'm just going through notes that they understand, uh, that I had sent them. So we're skipping all that. Cause I want to get to the very end last year. And Megan, I'm going to apologize. Now. I think many of us on Twitter have just totally forgotten. And I don't know why I really don't. I went back and looked at my show and clearly I've lost my mind. Um, I have not been able to find the NCAA show from last year because well, Finding any D3 archive on division on NCA.com is an impossible feat. Nearly impossible. You can do it. My question, top 16 was really, really well received last year. A lot of people enjoyed it, yeah. thought it was a really cool thing to do. Gave everybody a sense of kind of where everybody sat after the week two uh, rankings. By the way, quick note, men will be releasing rankings on Tuesdays this week, year again. Women on Wednesdays. It's not the end of the world. It would be nice if they were on the same day, but there's some cool coolness about that too. Each of them gets their own day. Sarah and Megan, question. How was that top 16 received? And on will we see it again? Yeah. Um, top 16, uh, it was great. I think it's really great for our sports. Um, it had a lot of excitement behind it, and it was really a preview to our bracket. Um, It also was great for our committees. Um, It was the first time that we really did a deep dive in what we talked about earlier, um, comparing teams region to region and really started comparing, you know, like the top teams in region two to region three and region eight to region 10 and could really kind of cross, um, you know, see how they, you know, across the country, how we're evaluating teams. So it's a really good exercise for us Um, as a committee. We actually vote teams in to that top 16. We go through our whole process. So it's really like a practice round to that that bracketing process, how we vote teams into the top 16. So it's it's a really important process for us. Um, We do have some news. Um, uh, You know, I'll actually, uh, I'll let Megan, you know, break this news if, if this is the time. We want to break this news, Dave. Is that what we're doing here? Yeah, I was just trying to get something ready because I know people are curious, and I, and I realized I hadn't done one minor thing that I should have done. You're well, good. I would just say I'm ready. Go. Go. Go ahead. If you have something to add. I was just going to add, you know, it is a great experience. I, I think the important thing or the only feedback that may have been negative that we received at all is just it's – Things can change between the top 16 release, right, and the final oh, rankings. And, yeah. and there are things that come into play like priority um, hosting <laughs> opportunities. Doesn't mean you're hosting. <laughs> if teams have put in schools, institutions yeah. have put in bids. Warning to you host, now, Christopher Newport, men. Um, 
but just but there's other things that come into play, right? Like, so it's great to kind of see um, where teams are kind of stacking up at that point, um, but it's just not an end all be all. Yeah. So actually, go ahead, you guys. It's your it's your boat. We're curious where yeah. the top sixteens are coming this year. Well, um, we are going to do the top sixteens again this year, and I'll let Megan let everybody know where we're going to announce the top sixteen. And we're super excited to be right back here with Dave on d3hoops.com to do the top 16 reveals for both the men's and the women's side of things. So we're super I excited. I know you ladies what? can't see it, but we put a graphic up uh, announcing oh. it. Hoops will exclusive. We'll have the top 16 yes. announcements live on February 16. Uh, I've been sitting on this since uh, soccer championships. For anybody who doesn't know, um, I, I cannot be more uh, honored by uh, your ladies and, and the committee's choice to use us. I know all of us appreciated that it was on NCA.com, but we all wanted it a little bit better. And so it will be on Hoopsville. And by the way, I'll say this now, I didn't necessarily lobby for it. I decided that was out of my hands. That was not something I controlled, <laughs> but uh, we're back on camera. Um Really appreciate it. Megan, I know you're going to have to go here shortly. we got to wrap things up, but uh, let's start with you. You obviously told about the reasons top 16 was so important, and, and I'm not trying to bolster us, but why was it important to bring it here? You know, I think sometimes um, for Division three things quite honestly get lost on NCAA.com. Um, you know, it, it was hard to find. I think you have such a great following. You allow coaches to have such a great platform to talk about our sport and our division. Um, and so, so I think we want to make the biggest impact we can for division three. And, um, you know, we just felt like this was the platform to do it. Uh, we're excited about it. We hope that um, it creates even more excitement um, and gives a little bit, you know, it gives a little bit different look than even the selection show then. Right. Like, so it's something different. Uh, we can play with the format a little bit. You know, we've been talking about how we might release those, you know, do we do some men's teams and some women's teams or what does that look like? Keep people on the edge of their seats. So we're just really excited about the collaboration um, and think it's really good for the sport of basketball. Yeah, my brain has exploded since early December, just for the record. Um, and, and it's cool. I, I really, again, appreciate the fact that you guys chose us for that. Uh, I got a, a call. Don't need to go on all the details. Uh, in, in December, while I was in the middle of soccer, and it was awesome. And we'll point out, you will be on to be able to talk about those rankings, much like we did last year, but we had to wait. You'll be able to come on the show, talk about those top 16s, what it means, and as you said, remind people, doesn't mean necessarily hosts are in place and all that. Um, I know I got to let you both go. Really appreciate all the time you've given me. I do want to give you all a final word. Um, uh, Sarah, we'll start with you since we kept you quiet on, for a little bit of chunk there. Uh, any final thoughts or anything you want to stress to those uh, listening to this one? And a reminder, we will get these ladies on the show uh, several times before the end of the season. But please, uh, anything you want to, uh, to say before we sign off? No, I just want to say thanks for having us, Dave. Thanks for all you do for Division Three basketball. Um, obviously, we're excited to bring the top 16 um, to Hoopsville, uh, especially in your 20th season. Um, it's, a, you know, historic, too, to have uh, two women bringing that show to you. Um, also, you know, the anniversary of Title IX as well. Um, so it's Good all point. all wrapping up. It's a big, big year here. Um, we're technically starting this 50th celebration of Division Three, though that will be official yeah. next academic year. We're technically yeah, in the 50th year of Division Three too, so that's kind of cool. Yeah, so we're, we're excited, and like I said, um, you know, I believe that it's just a really exciting 
next couple of weeks, um, Division Three basketball is um, a great platform um, because of you and others um, that give it um, so much excitement. And um, thanks for having me on the show and, um, you know, promoting um, all of the teams and the great student athletes. It just makes for um, a great student athlete experience for our students. Thank you, Sarah. Megan, any final thoughts? Why do I got to follow that up? She I don't know. Said, I, just the way Sarah did it. She put it on the team. Next time I get to go first. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Next time you're first. Okay. No, I got to write that just, down. Just <laughs> echo um, everything Sarah says. It's been awesome to, to see the progression and the evolution of the two sport committees working together. I know we were going to talk about like how closely the soccer teams, men's and women's committees yeah. work together. I think for us not having a joint championship site, we've really, really come a long ways. And um, we try to be in lockstep with things that make sense to be in lockstep, um, but realize that our sports are still very different. And so there's there's times when that calls for us to do things a little differently. So just appreciative of Sarah um, and the work of the men's basketball committee to kind of work with us and, and do a great job of communicating. Appreciate you guys having us on. I appreciate the uh, not too many rabbit holes today and just a great conversation about D3 hoops. And it's a great year. Um, excited for women's basketball and the joint championship. Uh, just came from a site visit from Dallas and that's actually my next meeting. I'm going to jump on and it's just going to be a really phenomenal experience for those student athletes. So I'll be honest. I wish I could be there. I, I'd love yeah. to. It's I don't, unless something miraculous changes, uh, it's not going to work out because that's also major league baseball's opening weekend and, it's a big weekend, yeah. so I don't know if it'll work out, but who knows? I might be in Dallas multiple times this year. I, end of April, uh, I might be there myself as well for something else. But, ladies, thanks so much. I know you got to go. I really appreciate it. We'll look forward to having you on Thank again. You. Thank you for the opportunity of the Top 16s. We'll look forward to talking to you and organizing that and getting it all set between now and then. Thanks, awesome. Dave. Sarah Quadraki, Megan Wilson, joining us on the Blue Frame Technology Hoopsaw Hotline. Really appreciate their time. Really cool. We get the top 16s, everybody. They're going to be announced here on Hoopsville Thursday, February 16th. We'll be on the air. Well, right now we scheduled 7 o'clock because that's when we normally air. That's when we're planning to put them out there as well. That'll probably be a little bit of a supersized show. We will have the committee members on. We will release those top 16s. We'll also have a reactionary panel. We don't have all the details yet, but that is going to be the big show on the 16th. Really looking forward to it, and I really thank them for their opportunity. When we come back, we'll switch gears, start talking to coaches about things. Also, there's already been some feedback on the Mark, Mark Morefield conversation. We should point out again, we will have him on Monday's show to ask him what happened. And, and honestly, we'll ask some tough questions about it all as well. We're going to take a break. When you're, you're listening to Hoops Hope, presented by D3Hoops.com from the WBCA and ABC Studios. So much more next. Great moments are born from great opportunity. That's what you have here tonight. That's what you've earned here tonight. This is your time. Now go out there and take it.
It's on us to stop sexual assault. In any way that we can. To get a friend home safe. To never blame the victim. It's on us. To stand up. To make our community safe for all. It's on us. It's on us to look out for each other at parties. It's on us. To be more than just a bystander. To step up and say something. It's on us, all of us. To, to stop, stop sexual assault. Learn how and take the pledge at itsonus.org. There are over 480,000 college athletes. Only 2% would go pro. That means over 470,000 will not get a shoe contract. No autographs. No private jets. No fan clubs. No Hall of Fame inductions. Instead, they will walk away with something much more valuable. We've got more schools than Division One, more fans than Division Two, and more upsets than March Madness. There's 800 programs with over 11,000 games leading to two national championships. And we've been covering it all for over a decade. From Eastern to Occidental, from Puget Sound to Piedmont, from Southwestern to the University of New England, and from Hope to Calvin. Nobody covers Division Three basketball like we do. We're D3Hoops.com at www.d3hoops.com. Welcome back to Hoopsville, everybody. Hope you're enjoying the show. Lots that we've already covered at the beginning. We had an exclusive release from Mark Moorfield. We'll talk more about that case a little bit later in the program, some feedback on Hoopsville or on Twitter. Just for the record, I want everybody to point out, we haven't made up our minds on that situation. We have just gotten a lot of information that's just not out there because a lot of parties are not talking. There is a bit of a, I would say it's a he said, she said. It's not because there's others involved. Hopefully on Monday, we're going to be able to craft a show that's going to be able to get to the, uh, to the bottom of that and maybe other scenarios. We try and do this for a lot of them. We're going to see what we can do on Monday. Mark Morfield has said he will be on this show to talk about it and answer questions. And as you should know, we don't shy away. We're going to ask the tough questions as necessary. Uh, we'll get more to that later, though. Pivoting, though, let's talk about the great programs that are having seasons this year. Center Women's Basketball has come... Uh, not out of nowhere, but certainly at the, risen to the top of the SAA. Now, this is not a knock on center. Some of the behemoths of the SAA are not having their prototypical seasons, but the Colonels have taken full advantage of that. Undefeated in conference play, having a great season, and doing well. All of it prerequisite it to get on this program. So joining us on the Blue Frame Technology Hoopsville Hotline, it's a head coach of the said Colonels. It's the and it's her it's her alma mater. It's Wendy Austin joining us, and I got to fix a graphic there. But coach, thanks for coming on the show. Really appreciate it. Congratulations this this season looks great. Well, thanks so much. We're we're uh, we're enjoying it so far. Yeah, I, I would I would assume you I assume you would. Um, curious, is this what you all expected your season to be? What was was it when you started? You knew you had a. a a program whose campaign could be battling at the top of the SAA and having as great a season as you're having? Well, um, we have a wonderful group of young women, and and you never know quite how it's going to work out. And uh, we've got a long way to go. With that being said, a long way to go. And there's lots of uh, really good teams we're battling in the SAA. And uh, it just – it, it's just come together for us. And I think for a lot of coaches, they would they would say a lot of times that we thought we could compete – but, um, you know, it's, it's just really come together for us. Um, our ladies have really worked really hard. They're buying in, and we have great uh, leadership at the top. 
the seniors are doing a great job. Undefeated so far in conference action. You'll have a big weekend coming up ahead. As we said, a little some of the behemoths like Oglethorpe not having their seasons that we're come, grown accustomed to. But as I also said, you got to take advantage of those opportunities, and you're fully doing that. What's mm-hmm. what's clicking, in, especially in conference play, that's working so well for your team? Well, I think, um, like I said, our seniors, um, their goal has always been to win a championship. We um, got beat in the semis of the conference tournament at Rhodes last year. Um, you, you know, and their desire and their hunger to work and you know, they really want to win and um, they're buying in and doing what Coach Klein and I are asking them to do. And, and I'll tell you, we are um, we're, we're battling every day. It's not like we've blown people out. I mean, these are close games and, you know, so many there's pro, there's so many other teams that that can still win our conference. We've got a lot of work ahead. And, you know, I just, com- you know, credit our girls of buying in to doing what we're asking them to do. And they let, really let me challenge them every day and uh, everybody's accepted their roles. And uh, I, I think that's the whole key to it right now. Uh, it certainly is working uh, because as we mentioned, undefeated in conference play and playing well, uh, real quick, at, look at the rest of the conference or the rest of the schedule. Start off actually is the rough spot. It was the beginning of the season. You guys started three and three, kind of alternated wins and losses, a win over Ferrum, a loss to Bridgewater, a win over Spalding, a loss to Asbury, a win over Maryville, but then a loss to Hanover. After that, a four-game winning streak, a rough stretch at Christmas between Berea and Wisconsin Lutheran, but since then undefeated. How has it, because it feels like it was a little herky-jerky to get out of the gate, how has the team been able to focus on forgetting those games? Because, as you, as you well know, that herky-jerky start or a quick little two-game skid in the middle can unravel things, and a team can't get back on the, on the tracks. Well, and, you know, we, we talk about getting 1% better every day in practice, and, again, they're buying into that. We, we told them when they want to be a good team, they can be a pretty good team, and I think – uh, they did not enjoy those losses, which thank goodness they didn't enjoy those losses and wanted yes. to get better. And um, I think through practice and hard work and really um, believing in each other and holding each other accountable, they built confidence to go out and compete hard. So This is led by underclassmen, essentially. You've got a sophomore leading the way in scoring in Bailey Rucker at mm-hmm. 11.6. She's the only one in double figures. Mm-hmm. You have uh, Natalie Duggins, a junior, at 9.8 points and 8.2 rebounds a game, knocking on the door of averaging a double-double. And then you have uh, a freshman in Micaiah Grinter, who's third on the team at nine points a game. Emma, Emma Ross Vinson, a junior, who's fourth on the team in scoring. You talk about the senior leadership, and we all know that's hugely important. But interestingly enough, it's the underclassmen who are your offensive weapons. Mm-hmm. I, I think uh, we talk about that after every game. I'll be honest with you. Uh, when you look at the box, it's it's a total team effort. Like I said, everybody's buying into their roles. We don't really have a superstar, which is great. Uh, everybody contributes where they can contribute. They do their job. We talk about do your job and be who you are. And um like I said, it's just really nice that they're buying into that. Nobody's worried about scoring. Nobody's worried about who's doing what. They just do their job and they want to win. You're scoring about 68 points a game, not a ton, but you don't need to score a ton. But as I said, one player in double figures. So there's And two, three, four others who easily could be in double figures. To your point, there's a lot of options out there on that offensive end, and you're getting serious contributions in scoring for 
five, six, seven, eight players. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we we uh, it, it is a it, it's a really unselfish group, and, and it's a rare group. You know, so a lot of times people are worried about I want to be the leading scorer, this and that. And, you know, our we we uh, try to be. Our last game didn't show it, but uh, that's okay. We are, we're all about stops and rebounds, and then we'll try to grind it out and figure out how to score a few more points than the other teams. So, um, I, I, again, they're fun to coach. They're having a lot of fun, and they're really buying in, and, and, and they're just good people taking care of each other. Well, and to that point, to that point about its stops and its rebounds, you're out-rebounding your opponents by 10, roughly, uh, 9.3. Your three-point shooting allowance is 27%. Uh, turnover wise, never a great number, but I noticed steals a ton of steals. Um, but more importantly, when I look at the shooting percentage overall, 37%, it's not a great shooting percentage for, for offenses against you defensively. You're really holding teams, uh, accountable and you're only allowing 60 points a game. It sounds obviously it's proven it's rebounds and scoring, but sometimes or a defense, it's sometimes hard to get a team to buy in. How are they buying in? Well, I, you know, I, I always joke with our head football coach. If we had, if we knew that magic formula, we would. He always says we would be writing a book and on the book circuit and not coaching. So, I, I don't know. They, they, they're just good people, and they have really have confidence in uh, Coach Klein and myself, and have bought into uh, doing what we're asking them to do. And let's just hope that keeps up. So <laughs> I know you probably don't want to go back through it, but you know, last year eleven and fifteen, the COVID year four and seven. The year before that, 16 and 11, you're basically a 500 or a five game above 500, below 500 type team for the last good chunk of seasons, uh, 2011, 2012, 26 and four campaign. That's kind of the glory day, as it were. Is this program or is this team reminiscent of those really good teams? And is it capable of helping this program get back to where I know you want them to be back when you were playing in the SCAC? Well, um, <clears throat> You know that it's there are similarities, but and and then there's a lot of differences. I'll I'll tell you the similarity is that um, just like those really good teams, they um, they really want to win. They want to compete hard to win, and they really are uh, a family on and off the court, so they can hold each other accountable and they work really hard. So um, dynamics of the team are um, you know we we had a we had some superstars on that that 2012 team. And uh, like I said, we, we have a different makeup with this group, which is really cool because anybody on any given night can have a big night scoring for us. Um, so there are some similarities, but I think this is I think we have the groundwork to uh, hopefully get back to where we want to be in the conference, like you said, during those old SCAC days. You came back to the program. You graduated in 94, came back in 97. You took over the head coaching job for the 0506 season. Uh, you are, for all intensive purposes, uh, gold and black through and through, all for a, except for a few years when you weren't on the campus. How, how's the experience been and how important it has it been to you to get the program back to the top of the conference conversation? Oh, well, it's huge. I mean, because when we, I mean, I, I came here and, and got to play on some championship teams, which was great. We followed in some steps of the Final Four teams and um, and every time we recruit somebody, that's that we we tell them we want to be back to the top of the conference where we used to be. There's a strong tradition here. Um, this is a, a wonderful place to uh, have opportunities to play great basketball and develop as people and get 
one of the best educations in the nation and it develops the full person. And, you know, I, I believe in that mission. I believed in that mission for a long time and I'm blessed that our administrators still let me stay as long as they let me stay. Well, they certainly aren't disappointed. Uh, they're, and they're having a lot of fun with an alum. You've got four of your next seven on the road, including the two this weekend against Millsaps and Birmingham Southern. Uh, you'll finish uh, with Oglethorpe and Barry in the second to last weekend with uh, Rhodes, Hendricks, and Sewanee mixed in the middle there. What's the message to the team? What What are you guys saying? I know it's game by game. I know it's practice by practice. But what is it that you're emphasizing to the team to get through this next stretch to make sure you guys have an advantage when it comes to the to the playoffs? Well, we uh, it, it, it's the same message. 1% better every day. We've got to go back to work every day, stay focused on the next game, and that's all we're worried about. So getting better every day. Wick, real quick question, pivoting back to the to the situations we've seen in Division Three. Practices hard that ended up with students in, in – um, uh, the hospital coach fired as a result of it eventually. Another coach dealing with racial insensitivity and another coach has been fired apparently from what we're gathering for saying some uh, swear words or being really hard on his team and at least one player or family, who knows, we're still trying to get to the bottom of it, displeased with that. How hard is it become to coach? You've been through a long stretch here where coaching has changed a ton. How hard is it or how... Um, I don't want to say hard. Maybe that's the wrong way of saying it. But how important is it to evolve and be aware of being a better coach? Oh, I, I think that we have had to every year try to work to um, to to understand the current generation we're coaching. And um, you know, we do a lot of um, things to enhance our culture. Like I said, we're a family on and off the floor, and I think that helps us a whole lot. And I'm blessed my ladies buy in and um, we treat each other with respect. They know that Coach Klein and I love them and we're here um, for them in all aspects, not just basketball. But it, it's tough. And I, I'll tell you that if if I had a group that didn't buy in, it wouldn't be we wouldn't be looking at the same situation we're in this year. So, um, you know, I, I'm, I'm blessed that my ladies are um, are uh, receptive to the message that I send off the court, too. I appreciate that. Uh, I know it's it's a different landscape than when you started coaching or when you like you played about the same time I played. Mm-hmm. It's a very different landscape in that sense. There's no Bobby Knights technically around anymore. <laughs> no, no, no. So. Hey, Wendy, really appreciate you coming on. Thanks so much. Uh, congratulations to the team this year. Congratulations to you especially. We always give the guest the final word. Any final thoughts you want to share with those who may be tuned in? Well, thanks so much for uh, having me on and uh, recognizing the program. And we appreciate all you do for uh, Division Three and women's basketball. And hopefully we can keep it going. We're just focused on tomorrow, and we'll see what we can do. Absolutely. Millsaps is tomorrow. So good luck with that. We'll look forward to seeing how uh, the Colonels play the rest of the way. And tell Greg I said hi. I sure will. I sure will. Thanks Take so care. Much. Wendy Austin joining us on the Blue Frame Technology. There we go. Uh, Wendy Austin joining us on the Blue Frame Technology Hoopsville Hotline. Appreciate her taking the time to join us. Great conversation about the Colonels. Center is one of my great uh, NCAA tournament location stories of all time. There for the men. Um, I don't even remember what year, unfortunately, but I'll find it. But one of my favorite memories of all time. We'll take a break. When we come back, keep talking women's basketball. Head out to Minnesota. Talk to Concordia Moorhead about their success this season. We saw them in the Vegas at the D3Hoops.com Classic.
Plenty to talk about. You're listening to Hoops, presented by D3Hoops.com from the WBCA and ABC Studios. Coach of the Year, Administrator of the Year, All-America Team, Wade Trophy. The WBCA doesn't just honor coaches, but players, administrators, and much more. The WBCA strives to honor those who have contributed to the advancement of women's basketball. Celebrate the present, honor the past, look to the future. For the love of the game, but for those of us who are Division III student athletes, it's more than that, a lot more. Sure, the game is important, but as we work so hard to build both mind and body, it's more about team. That is why NCAA Division III teamed up with Special Olympics, and in giving the gift of sport to those for whom it seemed an impossible dream, we are working to make this a better world. Help us keep that dream alive. You can make a difference. It's on us. It's on all of us. And it's time to act now. It's on us to start the change. It's on us to be the change. It's on us. It's on Division Three. It's on all of us to stop sexual assault. I learned a lot of valuable lessons playing college football. I never thought about the health benefits of exercise until I actually started to talk to coaches in college. It's not only just for performance, it's for life. My coaches instilled the importance of well-being, not only building up strength, mental health, getting enough sleep, eating properly, it's all what it is to be healthy. I decided that I want to go on a personal trainer and share my knowledge that I obtained in college about physical and mental well-being. Welcome back to Hoopsville. I'm your host, Dave McHugh, coming out of you from the WBCA NABC studios. Thanks to D3Hoops.com. Tucker's around here somewhere. He's enjoyed the fact the door's open, so we haven't heard him whining, but hopefully he's being a good boy. Um, if you've got questions for us, tweet us at D3Hoopsville, hashtag Hoopsville. You can email us, Hoopsville at D3Sports.com. Uh, you can also join us on Facebook and YouTube, where we'll simulcast the show, YouTube.com slash Hoopsville. We're also Facebook or YouTube.com slash D3Hoopsville. Facebook.com slash Hoopsville. Uh, a lot of reactions so far as we are the hosts of the top 16s this year for Division Three. We'll talk to we'll talk much more about that as we get forward from here. And still some reactions to the Mark Morefield situation. Um, I, I remind everybody there is more than just two sides to a story. And I emphasize that heavily. We are going to try and get to the bottom of it for Monday's show because Mark Morefield's agreed to be on it. Pivoting. To a team I saw in Vegas who certainly impressed out there at the D3Hoops.com Classic and continues to impress back home and in Mayak Conference action. It's the Cobbers, one of my favorite logos, one of my favorite mascots of Concordia Moorhead. And Kim Wagers joins us on the D3 uh, on the Blue Frame Technology Hoopsville Hotline. Coach, first and foremost, congratulations on what is absolutely 
a great season, plain and simple. You, your, your team is playing well. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Yeah, it's been it's been a fun fun season so far. We've definitely definitely enjoyed it. What's been the key to this? What has been the the thing that if we were to fit, try and unlock the secret, what's been the key to the success this year? Um, I think our kids have been just really resilient, um, buying in to what we're kind of preaching from an offensive-defensive culture standpoint and just really staying with things. We've we've won a few close games recently. This month of January has been definitely a grind, um, and they haven't all been pretty, but they've just stayed with it, and we've found ways, right, to win. And so I'm super proud of our crew for just staying with things. I think a year ago, um, like when we face a little adversity, especially on the road, those are games we maybe didn't pull out a year ago. And we're just finding ways to do that this year, which is, is just them, I think, believing a little bit and um, finding a way to show up on the road too definitely has been a difference from last year to this year. Oh, what's the saying? I uh, just lost it. But yeah, I mean, every obviously it's every day, but you got to yeah. show up to, to, to have any success if you're not showing up in the first place. It's pointless. Um, looking at the start of the season, four-game winning streak uh, to get things rolling. Uh, got beat Gustavus Adolphus, which is definitely a huge win by a point uh, at home on uh, in late November. Bethel and Augsburg then said, well, thank you very much, and uh, handed a couple of losses to you guys. But then yeah. I think the signature here, and listen, I know it looks a little different now because Amherst hasn't had the greatest of seasons since you saw them. But I was really impressed in the double overtime game you played against Amherst because there were a bunch of things. One of them was Amherst you put in an unsettled situation and the players didn't know how to handle it. And I saw Amherst completely out of sorts. What was the game plan going into that? And did you have the confidence that you could take on at the time a top 10 program, storied program, and take it to them? Uh, yeah, I mean, the the game plan, it's funny because we right found out we were going to play them pretty much. Right, that, that wasn't originally planned, there. right. <laughs> so, <laughs> Good point. As a coach, it was stress, right? Like, it was just like, <laughs> Wait, how we're gonna play who? can I watch before tomorrow? Um, but, I mean, I think it was just like a, a, we present every game as an opportunity, right? Like, every practice is an opportunity to just go out and um, we try to take things very, right, like control what we control one play at a time. We're, like, the outcome we can't control anyway so just go play and have fun and do the things that we're really good at and so um we felt really good going into the game that we could absolutely compete and um we're, we're really good when we can get stops and get out and run a little bit and we knew that they uh they have some really really good players um but we knew that like our depth especially in you know 40 minutes or when we got into double overtime that um we might have a little bit more left in the tank just from the the depth that we were able to play in that game you, you say depth but what was fascinating about that game was how both teams didn't use their bench as much as I thought you would. Amherst, I think, went the entire double overtime and a good last five minutes of that fourth quarter with no subs. Yeah. Or if they did, it was one. Like they, they were hardly subbing. You, on the other hand, just looking at the minutes, every single starter played 35 minutes or more with Beld playing 44. Uh, Caller came off the bench for 24 minutes. And you had three other players who played 17 minutes or less, including one who played two. So 
It was interesting. You talk about the depth, but you, yes, you subbed more than Amherst did in the, in that time frame. Absolutely. And you were dealing, I think, if memory serves, with a little bit of foul. No, you didn't even have foul trouble. We just had an injury. Yep. Yeah, that's what it was. Thank you. Oh, right. Got hit, got hit in the head. Right. <laughs> your best player goes down. So you're playing without your best player on top of all of that, arguably. Yeah. And you still won. Like, that was what blew me away, was it? You did not, that team did not break down. That team didn't give up. There was a challenge ahead of them. They went, oh, our best player's out? Whatever. Let's go. How how does that mentality get instilled? Oh, great question. Um, you know, I think, I think our... Um, I think it's the the way we practice every day, right? There's lots of things that pop up with within a practice, within a school day, within the year. Um, just facing adversity with some like let's go get it instead of um, pouting about it or not, you know, blaming or making excuses. It's very much just like all right, let's go attack this and do what we can and um, and enjoy it while we're doing it. And so I. I mean, that's what we preach every day. I don't know that that's the big answer to why they were so resilient, but I also think our crew is really tight, really tight. They get along really well. They, they play for each other. And so I think when they see one go down or um, maybe someone not having their best game, it's kind of that next, next person up mentality. And I think they play for each other a little bit that way too. So when they see someone like Autumn Thompson go out with an injury, like they're, they're excited to play for her a little bit and, and go get something done. So. I killed it over here. Sorry. I got to get a producer on this show. That's, that's, that's what's needed over here is damn producer. Um, Next night went out and absolutely handled Salve Regina, 82-42 in a game. I, I mean, I thought after you played against Amherst, there was a chance of a letdown. And I also thought there was a chance of a blowout. And that sounds weird to hedge your bet, but uh, Salve Regina is not Amherst. But I didn't expect a 40-point game, and, and that one just steadily pulled away. Come back home, get a win over Carrollton, but then lose at home against St. Cats by 13. Now you're on a six-game winning streak. What happened in the St. Cats game, and how are you using that moving forward? Yep. Um, really frustrating for us to, to drop one at home of all places, right? But um, credit to St. Kate's. They came out and had were just really good defensively. Um, we just really didn't shoot it well at home. I thought we did a decent job of moving the ball and getting really good looks. And we just didn't shoot it as well as we would normally or would like to. And so um, they, I mean, I think credit to their defense, obviously. And um, they came up here and just kind of took it to us. And um, I think the the lesson learned is right is they got to be ready every game and we got to find different ways. Sometimes if, if shots aren't going, how do we get to the free throw line? How do we get a post touch and um, just find different ways to, to score points if we're not shooting it well from the perimeter. Did it again. Let's talk about this team. Emily Besseman leading the team, the senior at 14.2 points per contest uh pulling down sorry it's not in order here um 5.6 rebounds on top of that um carly sieben uh, right sieben yep. I, I can't Sieben. believe i forgot that from vegas uh 12 and a half points herself 
Um, you've got uh, Michaela Anderson, the sophomore. Both of the uh, Seaman and, and Anderson sophomores. Anderson, 12.2 points a game, 9.1 rebounds. She was a huge factor inside. Uh, and there's more to talk about, too. Collar and Thompson. Uh, Belled, uh, especially. Uh, Thompson's only played in 12 of the 17 games so far. But, back to my point, you've got this mix of senior and underclassmen in Bessemer and, C, uh, and, and Simon Anderson, etc., that's a great dynamic to have because you're teaching the underclassmen to be good and you got a bestman who can just put the game on her shoulders if she needs to. But that can also be a difficult dynamic to coach because sometimes somebody wants the ball. How has that dynamic been working out? Uh, I mean, credit to our kids. They're super unselfish. And I think um, part of them, you know, playing for each other and, getting along so well is that like that culture piece that we're, we're really trying to build a family atmosphere and that um, makes it a little easier to really play for our shot instead of your shot right and so um, we just really try to to get really excited about the plays that we do make that extra pass or that one more or where some someone does something really unselfish and um, most of the time when we take a bad shot maybe or for something it's not because they're they're purposely doing that. They're just trying to be aggressive also and impact the game. Right. And so we just try to talk a lot about, um, uh, sharing the ball and being excited for your teammates and taking it one possession at a time. And when we do maybe make a mistake or something that we don't stack and that we can absolutely, you know, be in that place where lots of different kids are going to like have moments where they maybe don't make that extra pass. And like, we've all been there and it's more of a, like, let's celebrate the one times or the times that we do instead of really dwell on the times that maybe we, we don't take the best shot. Just to remind everybody you played, um, and it was an, I think you played, right? No, you didn't. I apologize. You were at Minnesota Duluth where you yep. played and then you ended the WIAC as an, as a coach, yep. um, seven years at Eau Claire, um, some time at Superior as well before taking over this job in 2019. Uh, wow, what a time to take over. You get one full <laughs> season, and it's like, oh, by the way, we have this COVID thing. Yeah. Um, but what's amazing is you were 8-16 and 16 last year, 3-4 yeah. and four in, the, in the COVID year, 11-14 and 14 your first season, and this is a program under, the, um, under Hall of Famer um, Jessica Rahman that last had 21 seasons back in 2012 and 2013. There were three out of four. Uh, that was the end of. What's the magic that has you at 14-3, and three, which is the most wins since the 2015-16 season so far, has you on top of the conference? What's the difference between last year and this year? And, and I realize you may have said some of those answers, but that's a dynamic turnaround. Yeah, I mean, I think... It, there's hopefully a few different things, right? I think um, I think some of our younger players are a year older and um, are a little just a bit more comfortable, more confident, definitely. Um, we really struggled on the road last year. And so we've, like, that was one of our, we don't really set big lofty goals. We, we really try to focus on process and just getting better each day. But um, we did talk about our world record last year and how we can just develop routines and consistency and come to play on the road each um, each time we're on the road. And that has been just like the kids have bought into that and really has been a huge, I think, difference between last year and this year. 
You're 11 and 3 in conference play. You've already avenged one of those losses against Augsburg. That was uh, back uh, last week. You beat them 63-49. Your next one up is Bethel. Interestingly enough, coming up this weekend. Oh, timing. Oh, it's like someone thought that through. Um, <laughs> and that will be at home. We should point out those two losses were on the road. Uh, and then you'll have St. Cats, but it's going to be at their place. So you've got a chance to revenge those, but obviously you can't overlook the rest of this conference in what is just a grind of a conference schedule. I won't go into the trying to get that changed again. <laughs> but how important it how important will it be to get a win starting Saturday against Bethel at home? Uh, I think I mean it'll just be I think our our kids for sure right look back at that that game and definitely is one they wanted back right away after we we played we didn't we just didn't play well at Bethel and they played I mean credit to them they played outstanding and so um, we're looking forward to having them at home I think we've grown a lot since that game I think we're um, they were pretty physical with us in that game and um, maybe took us by surprise trapping some things that we weren't really probably prepared for um which is which is on me of course right but um i just think we're we're a little bit more seasoned now and are excited for that challenge i think our, our kids are just super excited to get on the floor on saturday and um and play in a, in a fun atmosphere we have coaches versus cancer this weekend and so it should be a really good crowd and in obviously a bethel team that's playing really well and um will be a really good challenge so we're excited not that I'll ask you about it because I know you're not looking that far ahead, but obviously another game against Gustavus Adolphus ahead of you who is sitting a game ahead despite your win over them. Obviously, that's how rankings work. Uh, or standings, I should say. That's how standings work. Um, can this can this team achieve the ability to keep or make the Mayak come through uh, Cobbers, come through you to get a title? I hope so. I mean, I think that if uh, we, we obviously won't like have to believe that. Right. Um, I think that, I mean, Gustavus is a tremendous team. We have lots of, I mean, our whole league is, is, is fun to play against. It's, a, it's definitely a grind. This will be our, our second time where we're going to play four games in seven days in January. Yeah. Here. And, um, and so that makes it exciting and also just exhausting all at once. Right. Um, and Gustavus definitely, I mean, they're shooting the heck out of the ball and just high powered offense and they do a really good job defensively too. And so, um, we were super excited to get them at home, obviously. And it was a close game and really, really physical and well fought. Um, and then it just be our turn to see if we can go down there. And um, it's always a tough place to play. And they've had our number down there for the last three years. And so I think um, our kids will be excited to just um, let it all out and see what we can do down there for sure. You play everybody twice, right? Yeah, yeah, we have yeah. twenty-two conference games. <laughs> twenty-two games. It kills your 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 resume for the NCAA because you only have three non-conference games. Granted, you've got one against Amherst. That's not going to hurt, but that's yep. not ideal. Yep, we uh, we we talk a lot about that just in our league, and um, yeah, it, I mean, I I don't know if there are hopefully maybe some changes in the future, but um, right now we're just trying to control what we can control from the teams that are in our league, right, and do the best we can to win the, the Mayak outright and, and get to that conference tournament championship too. I think the ODAC model makes the most sense. You play everybody three times in a two-year stretch. <laughs> yeah. Um, it keeps a, it keeps a, it, it frees up games for all of you. I don't know how many would, how much it would free off the top of my head, but I think it would give you at least six 
non-conference games. But I digress. It's a topic we talk about every year. Uh, Kim, really appreciate you coming on the show. Thanks so much. Congratulations to the team this season after seeing them in person. Really impressed. Loved watching, especially Pessiman. By the way, you should point out, she played in the Salve Regina game, right? Yeah. Yes. Yeah, 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 she did. Sorry. I was... I remember talking to her after the Salve Regina game about what happened. Yeah. Keep teammates away from each other, by the way. All right? I tell you, we've had four or five black eyes, like good black eyes. <laughs> and they've all come from our teammates. So I, I don't remember <laughs> who she said it was, but she said she gave her other teammate a concussion like the day before. So I'm just saying yeah. elbow pads, something. We got to figure, <laughs> figure it mean, out. We like to practice hard, but gee, yeah, I keep That's saying. That's ridiculous. Like, not that I want you to hurt the other team, but can we stop hurting each other? That'd be great. Uh, I want to quickly ask how much you've been in coaching a bit. How much has it changed in terms of coaching student athletes, in terms of how hard you can be on them, how much you can't be on them, how much you have to be careful with what you say, but on top of that, still trying to motivate them or find a way to mo- motivate them? Yeah, I mean, I think I think it's changed probably a lot since I've played. Um I, I got to be the assistant coach for a long time. And so um, I think even just moving the chair down, that has been different for me too, right? I, I have sure. to be the bad guy a lot more often than I used to just get to be the fun assistant coach. And so um, I don't, I mean, I, I truly just try to make sure that we're building relationships with our kids so that they, they know that we're here and we care and that we love them and that we're, you know, my whole mission is not necessarily to win basketball games, but it's to impact them on and off the courts and make them better students and make them better people. And um, I think it's helped when I've kind of, kind of admitted maybe when I don't handle things well and kind of been able to like repair things with um kids are just like, Hey, you know, I didn't handle that moment while in the game, right? Like I got after you and maybe, maybe I didn't need to, and just like have those conversations afterwards. I think that's been a huge growth spot for me. And I think the kids have responded really well to that too. And I think once they know that you really care um, and that you're human and we're all just doing the best that we can, like same with them, that um, that relationship can kind of be built. But I do think things have changed a lot and, um, and that's, that's an okay thing too. Hey, I appreciate your time. Uh, running a little bit behind, but thank you very much. We always give yeah. the guests the final word. Any final thoughts you want to share with those tuned in? Uh, no, just thanks for having me. We appreciate you talking about Cobber basketball and women's basketball for sure. And um, the MIAC, we, we, we truly appreciate you having me on. And roll Cobbs. <laughs> roll Cobbs. I like that. There are so many fun <laughs> things you can do with the Cobbs, but uh, one of my – again, I think Gordon did get a sweatshirt. i got to find a way to get one of those because that – that logo is just awesome. We'll have to hey. send you one. Oh, thanks. Take care. Really, congratulations. Look forward to talking to you down the road. Thanks so much. Kim Wagers joining us on the Blue Frame Technology Hoopsill Hotline. Um, tremendous season. And listen, I think they can give Gustavus Adolphus. They've already beaten him once. Why can't they beat him twice? Even if they split. And one trip up by Gustavus, and it's a whole different ballgame for who's on top of that conference. Just got to fix the conference schedule. I, I'm telling you, the ODAC model is where they need to go. Three times in two years, you play everybody. Take a break. When we come back, switch to men's basketball. We'll talk to the Calvin Knights, number 18th ranked in all the land. Talk to them about the season they're having. Bill Saul joins us on the Blue Frame Technology Hoopsville Hotline. You're listening to Hoopsville presented by D3Hoops.com. Back with more after this. These are your teams, your players, your community of fans. This is where they play, where they practice, where you cheer at every meet, every event, every game. 
Your community is passionate, dedicated, supportive. You know the tension of a close game and the thrill of the win. So while you're cheering, keep an eye out for anything out of the ordinary. If you see something suspicious, say something to local authorities. used to never really talk, ever. Uh, I was afraid if I said something wrong, everyone would laugh at me. But then I started to play golf with Special Olympics. It helped me to find my voice. And now everyone else is speechless. We've got more schools than Division One, more fans than Division Two, and more upsets than March Madness. There's 800 programs with over 11,000 games leading to two national championships. And we've been covering it all for over a decade. From Eastern to Occidental, from Puget Sound to Piedmont, from Southwestern to the University of New England, and from Hope to Calvin. Nobody covers Division Three basketball like we do. We're D3Hoops.com at www.d3hoops.com. I learned a lot of valuable lessons playing college football. I never thought about the health benefits of exercise until I actually started to talk to coaches in college. It's not only just for performance, it's for life. My coaches instilled the importance of well-being, not only building up strength, mental health, getting enough sleep, eating properly, it's all what it is to be healthy. I decided that I want to go on a personal trainer and share my knowledge that I obtained in college about physical and mental well-being. Welcome back to Hoopsville, everybody, as we continue to roll along on this Thursday afternoon. I do have game a game to broadcast tonight. That's why we're on the matinee. Already great stuff if you're just tuning in. Talk to both committee chairs. Um, plenty to talk about there, including the announcement that the top 16s, when we talk about after the second week of rankings, will be announced right here on Hoopsville, an exclusive opportunity. Look forward to talking more about that and getting ready for that on February 16th. Also already talked to center women and Concordia Moorhead women's basketball teams. Last show we had a uh, all J's as first names of coaches, except that one of our guests was a student athlete. Today, we had almost a sweep in all C's. Committee, center, Concordia Moorhead, Calvin. I had to throw Brockport in there to change it up. I, we just, I, I, I just didn't feel comfortable with keep, keeping up with the C's. But we named the show Calm Campaigns because we kept it up a little bit. If you've got questions for us, tweet us at D3Hoopsville, hashtag Hoopsville, email us hoopsville at d3sports.com. Join us on Facebook at facebook.com slash hoopsville or YouTube at youtube.com slash d3hoopsville. Lots to talk about, lots to uh, consider, et cetera, et cetera. Still some feedback from the Moorfield scenario. Again, a reminder, he will be on the show Monday. And we'll talk more about it. I'm going to spend as much as I can trying to figure things out and get as much uh, understood of the situation as possible. But I don't think it's as cut as dry as some people would like to paint it. Pivoting, let's talk men's basketball. Calvin College is having a tremendous season, including an absolutely overwhelming win over their rival, uh, hope in their first matchup. Don't worry, there's another one coming. There, that one is not over by any stretch of the imagination. But center, 
or uh, Calvin is ranked 18th in the D- latest D3hoops.com poll. And I'll be honest. Hold on. No, I don't have them on my top 25. I actually did forget. <laughs> Couldn't remember who I included on my top 25. And I'm willing to put them there. There is 10, 15 schools that, that could easily be there, and I swap out others. But I want to learn more about them. That's why I have my show. Joining us on the Blue Frame Technology Hoopsville Hotline, the aforementioned Calvin College men's basketball team, and is Bill Saul, their head coach. Coach, first and foremost, thanks for coming on. Congratulations on the season at hand. Hey, thanks. Uh, pleasure to be on and uh, looking forward to talking a little hoops. Um, did I, Listen, we kind of started seeing this last season. This program got a couple of wins, got some stuff under their belt. We all went, oh, okay, next season could be good. And admittedly, it has been. I mean, listen, the, the outcome over hope was really impressive. And I know it's a rivalry game, and sometimes that can go either way. That could mean a tight game because you know each other so darn well, or it can be something none of us expect, and it, it definitely, I think, fell in that second category, 81-49. I want to start there and build on the season from there. 81-49 at their place, Bill. <laughs> I mean, that game was over almost from the tip. No, it was not over from the Yeah, tip. I knew they were going to say that. All right. I mean, and, and even at, you know, at halftime, we've got a really good lead. But as a coach, yes. we're going, in, in reality, right? I mean, you hit three threes. It's now down to 21. True. Things can change. And in that game, I have seen more just wacky, crazy things happen. Um, but credit to our guys. I mean, we came out. We played incredibly hard. Uh, I talked to you, I think, over the NCAA tournament. You know, last year we went 0-3. And uh, we had enough guys back that that – Bad taste in the mouth lasted not only through the summer, but into the fall and into when we played. Um, and, you know, we rode the backs of those guys because, man, they were they were they were intense. And it was just just one of those funny games. Right. We, we did a great job of getting stops, but everything we threw up went in, too. I, th- I think we shot something crazy, like 70 percent in the first half. So it was a culmination of a lot of stuff. But, you know, look, they're coming back here uh, real soon. And uh, that is going to be a war. I can promise you. Yeah, it'll be interesting at DeVos to say. Or no, it was at DeVos. It'll at be Bill, interesting. Van yeah, sorry. Uh, Van Nord yeah. coming back. I'm flipping them. Of course, Van Nord's a bigger place, which is. Which Absolutely. Is we, got a bigger, we got a bigger arena. Of course we yeah. do. Oh, I know you're proud of that. <laughs> um, Again, we, we kind of expected the season to be good. I'll, I'll be, you know, again, 22 and 9. As you said, we talked in the NCAA tournament. You guys were making a, a heck of a run. Uh, in in that one, uh, just to recap everybody, um, they beat St. John's in the opening game, beat Platteville in the second game, and unfortunately lost to Al- Elmers, who granted went all the way to the championship game, but it was by two. Yeah, You were there. You were knocking on that door. That doesn't always translate into the next season. We expect it to, but it doesn't always. How do you keep the guys motivated to understand, okay, we did well last year, we finished strong, but that doesn't mean we're just going to do it this year. Well, I think a couple of things. First off, you know, last year's team, uh, we might have had one of the oldest teams in, in Division Three. I mean, we had, let's see, five guys uh, that were in grad school um, with two grad transfers. Um, and then, you know, we had some really good young guys that, that really made up the rest of the mix. Um, so getting that experience back. But, uh, hey, look, I, I'm really happy with what we've done with our freshmen. Um, you know, these guys have stepped up. Some of our sophomores have stepped up. And it's, it's kind of refreshing, right? You've got to go from the old school where, you know, these guys have been through everything. Everything is new. Everything's fresh. 
And I think even in that Hope game, we had a lot of guys, it's their first time through, right? They don't know any better. It's like, okay, let's just go play. Um, and, and that's kind of been the case this year where, where we've got some guys that really just step up to the challenge every night um, and probably beyond their years of experience, to tell you the truth. Well, that's the thing. It is a young team. You really only have one senior leading leading the way. Um, going back to the, the whole season, instead of just the Hope side of that, um, started this first D3 game you played was against Oshkosh, who was really highly ranked at the time and is working its way back there on top of the Maya, the Wyatt Conference. You beat them in a low-scoring affair, 59-56. Yeah. Um, and then kind of rattled off a bunch of wins after that before Wheaton uh, beat you guys on the road, 74-73. Got a lo- then lost to Worcester on a neutral court, 66-64, and lost to Elmhurst at their place, 84-80. That all happened in a four-game stretch. You lost three of four games with a lone win coming to Augsburg, and that one was a somewhat easy game. That can derail a team, Bill. That, that, can, that can throw everything out of whack. And you come back into conference play against Albion, granted, a little bit of a, a hiccup in Albion. They were, that's when everything was kind of hitting the fan for them. But how do you get the, the, the train back on the tracks? Well, I think, I think for us this year, if you look at every one of those games, there was a possession or two, right? Um, you know, the Worcester game, probably the exception where, man, we had a 14-point lead and we kind of just blew it. Um, and I think along with it, which was nice, is that there was a lot of breaks, right? So we played Wheaton and we had exams. So a really bad taste. I mean, you know, man, I, th- I thought we had a really great chance. They, they rallied at the end. Um, but a, a nice kind of introspection again, kind of take a pause. You know, we go to Florida and play in this tournament and lose to Wooster, but then there's a little break. And so it's not like you're going back to back, right? I, I think if if you've got those three, three losses in four games in there, like right in the heart of your season, man, it makes it really difficult. Yeah, um, but, but I mean, I think in a lot of ways, those games became really learning experiences for, hey, how do you have to play down the stretch in order to win in, in really against really good teams? And I think that really helped us a bunch, to tell you the truth. Yeah, it certainly worked, because since that Elmer's game, you have won seven straight. Albion, Alma, the Hope game we pre-mentioned, Adrian, Kalamazoo, Trine, Olivet. Things start to pivot here. You're, you're about halfway through conference play. You got Adrian coming up. Oh, you are, I think, halfway through your yeah, conference. Exactly yeah, right we're now. exactly halfway. Yeah, we're exactly halfway. Because you got, hey, leave my leave the jerseys alone. Sorry, Tucker's trying to ruin our jerseys here. <laughs> Can you just lie down, buddy? We leave the door open, and he's going after jerseys on the. F- we have some of these jerseys that we hang up. We put pu- them on the floor where you can't see them, and he, and he just knocked one over. Sorry, you Dallas, you're on the floor. Um, but you got Adrian Kalamazoo, Olivet, Alma, Try and Hope, Albion. That's the order coming yep. up. Um, you'll start on, and it's basically alternating home and away. Uh, you yeah. you will get two of the th- last three out at home. You're undefeated at home, so you obviously want to protect that. But how important is it also to play well on the road? And to be honest, not take a blemish the rest of the way because anybody can come up and and kind of nip you in, in the butt as trying nearly tried to do themselves. Yeah, you know, here's here's the thing for us, and I mean, we have to. I mean, just rattled off a bunch of games, which is true. But, you know, the old proverbially, we, we do. With this team, we have to take it one at a time. I, <laughs> I, I mean, it, it's a horrible thing to say, but it's just the truth. I mean, it, it's like, I, I think for our guys, every every time we do something, it's kind of a new experience. Um, so, you know, we got a lot of guys, hey, next time through, uh, playing Adrian for the second time, what is this going to look like? How do we prepare? How do we do it the right way? So, um, you know, <laughs> 
I, I, I like our mojo. I like, I like the energy of the team, right? It's like we're in the bus last night, um, you know, and these guys, I mean, they sing horribly, but they're singing songs and hanging out. Um, so it's a team that really likes to be around each other. And I, I think for us, we haven't really talked much about even championships or trying to make the NCAA. It's just like, hey, let's see what we can do next time we go out there and play. I want to talk about uh, Uchenna Egekeza because, <laughs> listen, defensive player of the year last year. But as Jeff Phoebus has pointed out, and I know others have talked about, it's the offensive side of his game that's evolved. He's basically running the offense, but he's not a guard. Mm-mm. But he's also contributing in huge ways offensively as two, while not giving up that defensive ability that makes him so good. And I know it's a team game, but you always need that one or two guys to kind of get everybody to click. And and it feels like it's Egakeza. Yeah, I mean, it is. And, it, and the thing is... It, He's an amazing defender, right? I mean, he has done an incredible job. I mean, the Cruikshank kid from Wheaton, who I think is just one of the best players, probably maybe a first or second team All-American, just shut him down. He got nothing, right? And he does that literally to every every good player. And again, we can put him on the point guard, the two, the three, doesn't matter. Or he's evolved, and this is what's so cool about, you know, D3 hoops, right? I mean... This kid has worked so hard in the summers to become a better offensive player because we can't do anything with him, right? So it's like, hey, season's over. Go do your thing. And from being in the weight room, he's he's gained a lot of really good strength. But then also just what he's done as far as – I mean, I'll be honest with you. His shot is not pretty. It is, a, it is not a work of art. It is all over the place. But let me tell you, he has put in so many reps that he is just consistent. And the ability to make that shot and now get downhill – you know, he's become a three-tier scorer um, and not a point guard, but yet we kind of play him at the point, if that makes sense, because he really still has the ability to well, direct the offense. to that point, little birdie's telling us, listen, you, you know, I'm just going to quote, you played in the era of two of the best point guards to ever play in Calvin history, your current uh, AD Jim Timmer and yeah. baseball coach Kevin Van Dyne, which is interesting that Van Dyne went over to baseball, but I digress. You don't have a point guard no. on this team. Mm-mm. Yet you, your your glory days as a player was all about the PG. Yeah, I know. How do you I, rectify that? I'm still scratching my head trying to figure it out. I, I have Seriously, in the time that I've been coaching, we've always had really good point guards. And I played <laughs> right? with really good point guards, right? And so now, I mean, for our advantage right now, I think we have really big guards, right? Uchen is about 6'4". Eli Sensening is about 6'3". Um, Luca Ressler is about 6'3". So, you know, we have really good size there, and it really helps us on the defensive side. But, man, I, you know, hey, put it out there in the National Airways. If, if there's a point guard out there that's looking to come, you got a chance here at Kelvin. <laughs> Brilliant. I wonder if either of the Snyder brothers know a point guard to send to you. Oh, I'm uh, sure they do. Trust yeah, me. no, I, I'm sure. We got we to gotta shout out to them when, when we get you on. That's the best part. Cause oh, absolutely. They are, and I don't know if you know, but we had Matt on Hoopsville shortly before the Hope game, and yeah. he honored us by wearing a Hoopsville shirt he had bought, but it's orange. I know. I saw that. I saw that. And then get this. you know, they That's risky. D3. Yeah, it's risky. And then, I mean, I probably two of our biggest fans, we go into D3 Datacast, and they do the game of the week. And Zach, Zach picks Hope. I couldn't believe it. He picked Hope College on the spread. It's like, wow, 
Man, that that's that's pretty sad stuff. Um, <laughs> I forgot he picked up. I think he was just doing the reverse psychology, maybe. Yeah, maybe. I hope so. Uh, that's just my guess. Uh, again, you got the full conference slate ahead of you in terms of every team to play. Hope is the penultimate game of the season. You got some testers in there. Trine will be back. They're certainly playing well. You got to win again on the road, which is important because you'll get them back home. You get hope back home. I know it's one game at a time. I know it's one practice at a time. But what are what are you? What is the stressing points for this team as you move forward? Here's here's our thing. I have been so pleased where we're at defensively, right? Um, especially with some new guys. Um, Jalen Overway helps a bunch. You know, when you got a 6'9", 250-pound guy that's that's controlling the paint, man, it makes a world of difference, right? It covers up a lot of those. And rebounding has been really good. I mean, we're we're double, you know, I think we're at about 11 on a rebound margin on plus on the plus side. You know, our offense is still a work in progress, let me tell you. Oof. We, we can be really, really good for two or three possessions, and then we can go just brutal uh, in long stretches of time as well. Um, and so I'm just trying to find that consistency offensively. I think our pace is not what I'd like to see it. We don't really get up and down the floor. Um, and, you know, our shooting from three has been less than average. So if you kind of look at our stats, right, we're, we're winning lots of games, but it's basically in the defensive and, you know, being able to control the glass. Um, so, man, the turnovers, all those things, hopefully we can kind of continue to make progress there because I, I think if we can do that, we have a chance to be pretty good. Um, I pivot a little bit. We were talking about the Brian Morehouse case. We were talking about the Steve Kohler case at Concordia, Chicago talking about even the Albion case with Jody May, all very different, Mm -hmm. but all encompass under the same concept of coaching these days is much different than it used to be, much different than when you played, much different than when you got into coaching. And you're at a rather Christian college. I don't want to paint in any particular direction, but it dates to the Morehouse case to some degree that the the argument is he's been fired over uh, words that he said more than anything. That, that the the swear words in particular were what he used that got him in trouble. From your perspective, how much has changed? How difficult, and I'm not trying to say it's horrible, but just how difficult has it become to understand the landscape in front of you and the bedrock that you're standing on? I, I think it's a two-way street, right? Number one, I think early coaching, even as I'm playing, hey, if, if a coach told you to run into the brick wall, you just did it, right? I mean, because that's what the coach told you to do. And and I think now guys will still believe in it and they'll still do it, but they want the why, right? Why are we doing this? And, and, and how is this going to benefit the team? So I think the communication between player and coach is big time now, right? So it's like, if, if it's a practice where you might might, you know, get into somebody for not working hard enough, then you have to make sure that the office door is open so they can come in and talk to you. Because if those communication links break down, big, big deal. But I think you also, as a coach, right, man, man, you have to do a really good job of, I think, representing not only who you are and what you are, but also also the, the school that you're a part of, right? Um, and here at Calvin, yeah, we, we have some some high expectations, but we also, you know, base it on on a – on a perspective that, hey, each each student that we have, each student athlete that we have is an important piece of not only our team, but our school. Um, and, you know, we want to treat them with love. We want to treat them with respect. Um, and, and we want to see them really grow in every facet of their time here. So 
Um, you know, it's different, yes, but in a lot of ways, hey, look, I, I'm, I'm enjoying this experience of evolving. I mean, I, th I think that's as a coach, right? You got to continue to to evolve in lots of different ways. And I think, man, that this is a big one of just still being able to, to get what you need out of the guys, but doing it in a way that, that they're going to understand it. And we have to admit, and, and this is not a knock on anybody, but coaching men is different than coaching women. Mm -hmm. Just as coaching, and, and this is a little bit weird to say, but it, just like coaching white boys is going to be a little bit different than teaching or coaching an African-American. Their perspectives are different. Their worlds are different. And you talk about the communication, that communication, to some degree, I would assume, has to be different, too. Mm -hmm. Well, absolutely. And, I, and this is what I love about team sport, right? I mean, if I look at our team, um, you know, we have, we've, we've got we're diversified. Um, you know, we, we have guys from from different faith backgrounds, um, socioeconomic. And that's the beautiful thing. You throw them all in a locker room. Right. Right. And you make them a team. Right. You make you make them a family. And and. Man, sports transcends a lot of things, um, and and you hope that that dichotomy of being in that situation can can really transcend itself to to what it's like out in the world, um, and, and that's our hope, and that's what we want really want to see. Well, I really appreciate the time, and really appreciate the insight. Uh, thank you for humoring me on some of those questions because it's great to get that perspective uh, from those who are obviously in it. Um, mm -hmm. We can pretend we know from afar by watching a video or. Or hearing a complaint, but we don't know until we're we're neck deep in it, um, and you guys are all neck deep in it. Congratulations again on a on a great season. Congratulations mm -hmm. on on what you've done so far. But I know you got a lot more ahead, so we wish you all the luck. We always give the coach the final word. Many final thoughts you'd like to share with those who may be tuned in. Yeah, absolutely, uh, man. What a what a fun time for us. Uh, you know, I'm really looking forward to seeing how the stretch of the season goes. Uh, hey, thanks for everything you do. Uh, I got to tell you, I tuned in. On the way back from a recruiting trip uh, on uh, on Tuesday, and uh, you know when you had poppers on and you were talking about bacon, I mean I got to tell you I, I was laughing out loud. I almost had tears in my eyes going down the road. So so thanks for a, a brief moment of humor on a Tuesday night for sure. We definitely need to add a little more humor to the show, and that may be one of the top five funniest moments we've ever had. Uh, it was just, we got to redo our opens and that is definitely going to get a place in forever in our opens. It was oh, just too for good. Sure. For sure. Hey, Bill, thanks so much for the time. Right. Take care of yourself. Thanks. Appreciate the kind words and we'll look forward to talking to you down the road. All right. Yeah. Bye-bye. Bill Saul joining us on the Blue Frame Technology Hoopsville Hotline. Appreciate him talking about his Calvin Knights, the MIAA, and so much more. Running a little bit behind, so we're going to quickly get to break. Brockport men's basketball, Greg Dunn joins us. When we come back and we'll talk, uh, we'll wrap up the show after that. Uh, i got to get going to some basketball myself. We'll talk about what's ahead also on the show. You're listening to Hoopsville presented by D3Hoops.com from the WBCA and ABC Studios. Back with Greg Dunn after this. Your teams, your players, your community of fans. This is where they play, where they practice, where you cheer. At every meet, every event, every game. Your community is passionate, dedicated, 
supportive. You know the tension of a close game and the thrill of the win. So while you're cheering, keep an eye out for anything out of the ordinary. If you see something suspicious, say something to local authorities. It starts right when you hit the court. You imagine your finest moment. The game-winning shot that gets you to the dance. A monster dunk or no-look pass. And cutting down the net. Sports lets us dream of our own success. And prepare us for our finest moments on and off the court. Got more schools than Division One, more fans than Division Two, and more upsets than March Madness. There's 800 programs with over 11,000 games, leading to two national championships, and we've been covering it all for over a decade. From Eastern to Occidental, from Puget Sound to Piedmont, from Southwestern to the University of New England, and from Hope to Calvin, nobody covers Division Three basketball like we do. We're D3Hoops.com at www.d3hoops. It's on us to stop sexual assault. In any way that we can. To get a friend home safe. To never blame the victim. It's on us. To stand up. To make our community safe for all. It's on us. It's on us to look out for each other at parties. It's on us. To be more than just a bystander. To step up and say something. It's on us. All of us. To, to stop, stop sexual assault. assault. Learn how and take the pledge at itsonus.org. Welcome back to Hoopsville, everybody. As we continue to roll along here on this Thursday, one more segment of a coach and a quick wrap-up segment before we wrap things up and get out of here because i got to go work a game at McDaniel tonight. Uh, don't forget, we'll be back on the air Monday, 7 o'clock Eastern time, and uh, Mark Morfield has promised to be on the show. We'll try and cover that as best we can uh, from all angles, if at all possible. Also, uh, we'll marathon show is a week from today. I'm not ready. I, I was supposed to be ahead of the game on this one, and I am not ready. I cannot believe Feb 2 is to, is next week. But Feb 2, next week, marathon show. We'll start about noonish, I'm thinking, and we'll go until about 9 or so. Uh, got some great ideas. Just got to get them booked. Uh, and then a uh, reminder, broken right here with the committee chairs. The top 16s will be announced on air here on Hoopsville on February 16th. Let's pivot. Talk men's basketball continued with Brockport who's having a darn good season this year. Um, there's a couple choices out of Suniac we could have talked to. And to be honest, Oswego is one of them. But Brockport has, listen, a few years ago, certainly had a great season, made some waves in the NCAA tournament at Johns Hopkins. Remember that season that all fell apart on everybody, uh, the NCAA tournament? Well, Brockport's back, and it's them and the Oswego matchup in uh, the Suniac, and I figured Greg Dunn's always a great conversation to have. And by the way, he's trying to make a run uh, at making his office look like our studio. Joining us on the Blue Frame Technology Hoopsaw Hotline, it's Greg Dunn in front of some really nice Brockport jerseys. Sir, good to see you. How are you? Good, Dave. Good. I, I know you had me on instead of Jason because I have the better haircut. So Ooh. I appreciate you doing that and, uh, and putting Listen, us on there instead of him today. It's a battle for the haircut, I'll admit. The, the styling and profiling of the hair between you and Gre and you and Jason, it's a race. Mm -hmm. I, I good call. Um, I'm not getting in between which one I like better. <laughs> um, by the way, uh, you guys went and beat them at their place. 
Now, there's a, there's a lot of talk about maybe they weren't at 100%. Doesn't matter. You went to Oswego on the lake and got a win on the road. That is huge. How important was that for you guys? Yeah, it was. I mean, we kind of woke, I think we kind of woke them up, right? Because since then, they've been, uh, even not only winning games, they've been blowing everybody out. So, uh, yeah, you know, we went maybe you all, maybe you and, opened up a beast. Yeah, I, I think we might have we might have did that for sure. And yeah, I mean, they certainly were a little banged up. And I think we caught them on a night where they missed some shots that they normally won't miss. But um, you know, we had to come out and execute, and we executed a game plan well, and and uh, got a victory over them. And that's their last loss. And certainly, you know, Jason's done a great job there. And and you know that to to, to go in there and, and beat them there, you got to play your absolute best and follow game plan. And I'm not sure we played our best because we didn't shoot the ball that well that night, but man, did we defend and follow game plan. So it was a, it was a nice win for us for sure. I did get a text message from another conference coach. You said, have fun with Greg. He's a great chat. Uh, he was saying with a little tongue in cheek because, well, we always know you're a great chat, but you know this conference so well because you've been in this conference for such a long time. You, Oswego, maybe Cortland. It doesn't feel, listen, the Suniac's always been known as a tough conference because there's tough travel and opponents are really tough. But I, I feel like it's not had as many teams at the top battling it out as I've been used to. Is that fair? Is, is it is it a little bit different with a two-headed monster? Well, I, I think uh, the one that you missed that I think is really, really good is Oneonta. Um, okay. They've got, they've got five. They, they've got, they're, they're starting five and then a couple come off the bench, I think are, are national level guys. Um, they've got size. I, I, I believe that they're, I believe they're number one in rebounding margin in the country right now. If not number one, they're in the top five, and they're they're very very good and played and beat us in the conference semifinal last year. Yep. And uh, and and wound up losing Oswego, which we all were losing Oswego by big big numbers last year. So, um, yeah, I, I think they're very very good too. And yeah, I, I think the one that hasn't been at the top that that maybe you're accustomed to. Um, is Plattsburgh and Plattsburgh hasn't been where they normally have been but true um, Mike Blaine who you know well um, he said to say hi by the way and uh, Mike guess who texted doing me a good job and they've had a, they've had a nice bounce back this year and uh, yeah so it's uh, it, it's certainly there, there's been some new faces and uh, you, you mentioned the travel it took us it took us almost eight and a half hours to get from Brockport to Plattsburgh last Thursday night and then another three and a half due to weather from Plattsburgh to Potsdam. So those are the kind of trips that you, you potentially have in the SUNYAC every every weekend, and uh, they're tough on everybody involved for sure. Um, Mike was the one who texted me, by the way, the one I alluded to. How to he's got nothing else to do in Plattsburgh except maybe go visit Montreal. There you go. Um, no, good, good tidbit on Arianta because they're the one two and a half games behind you guys. Uh, with Cortland three games behind you guys, and I'm saying you and Oswego, there's it's a tie right now at ten and one in conference play, uh, and then it's the rest. At New Paltz, the only other one above five hundred in conference action, and really the only other one above five hundred overall either. They're at five hundred. Geneseo, Potsdam, Plattsburgh, Fredonia, and Buffalo State round out the rankings. I, it's the one disadvantage is it's a long haul between you and Oswego. Your advantage is you get the short haul tomorrow when you go down to Geneseo, the real short trip. I know we've talked about the travel in nauseum, but I remember hearing rumors recently of, of wanting to expand the SUNYACs and get more SUNYACs in. Uh, the ones that aren't in the conference, get them in like Morrisville and all those. That has its own issues. I'm curious from your perspective, 
how can we improve, how can the conference improve with the travel aspect of things, but still keep that SUNYAC feel of a, of a tough conference? Is there a solution or is this what we got? I, I mean, look, take, take the travel away. Um, I, I do like playing, playing everybody twice, right? Um, that's, you know, that, that, that's the fairest way of doing it um, to play for a conference championship. I heard you speaking earlier, uh, earlier, it's not always uh, with the Concordia women's coach. And, you know, it's, we, when you're playing a ton of league games, it's not always, as we know, and you guys have spoke about it at length on your show, um, the best formula right. to potentially get more than one team in the NCAA tournament, right? But right. If, if going after and talking about trying to win your conference championship, playing twice is great. Um, there has been different ways. We've, we've done an East-West model in the past yep. in my tenure um, that's been moved away from. Um, that's been talked about as well, and and, and I'm and I'm and I'm sure, if, you know, I haven't really even thought about what expanding would do and how that would even look like. Um, but it, it certainly, uh, you know, I, I'm not sure. It definitely wouldn't make us travel any more than we actually are, right? Because the Sunnis that you're talking about are kind of shoved in the middle of the state in cent- in central New York. So if we did go that way, it, it could shorten up travel a bit. Yeah, I mean, I know there's no perfect solution. We're not going to come up with it right now, but it's good to hear kind of that take on things. Because, again, you guys, especially in the middle of winter, and it's been brutal up there in New York and very different from what you know what they're experiencing in Plattsburgh is very different than what they've been experiencing in Oswego and Buffalo State and everywhere else. Um, so I appreciate that. Let me just talk about your team. Uh, led by uh, Beckett. Mackay? Mackay, yep. Mackay, Mackay. I'm overthinking mm-hmm. it. Mackay, Beckett. You know, nearly 19 points a game, five rebounds per contest, uh, shoots 46% from the floor, nearly 40% from deep. And by the way, don't foul him because he's going to get about three-quarters of those free throws converted as well. Jahidi Wallace is second on the team at 13 points a game, nearly 13 points from David Grady. Uh, Tony Arnold is at 11 points a game. And then there's a steep drop-off, and I think that's what I think is interesting. A lot of teams we talk to today and and over time, you might get a couple of double-figure players, but there's a couple right behind them who are not in double figures but still scoring. You go from 11 points to 5 points per game. It's it's a little bit top-heavy in that sense, is it not? It is. As far as scoring the ball, you're absolutely right. Um, the, the the reason why I look at it and don't think it's a huge disadvantage, the guys that aren't putting the ball in the basket are the guys that guard the other team's best players every night. They're the guys that we expect to take charges. They're the guys that we expect to distribute the ball. They're the, they're the guys that we call our go-get-the-ball guys when we really need to get a big loose ball. Um, and all of them – there's kind of like three or four of them in that mix are all very capable of being that fifth scorer for us on a given night. So um, putting the ball in the basket consistently, consistently, excuse me, you're, you're definitely correct with those four, but we've been fortunate enough and we're having the season kind of season that we're having because one of those three or four other guys is stepping up on each night to help us shoulder the load a little bit as far as scoring the ball. What's also interesting is you've got a mix there because two are seniors and two are sophomores. The seniors are Wallace and Grady. The sophomore, uh, the sophomores are Beckett and Arnold. So you do have a bit of a mix there in terms of upperclassmen, underclassmen, and contributions therein. I know the seniors have a role, but how important is it that everybody from all classes are, are figuring out how to make this team click, and will that be a huge benefit as the season grinds on? So, you know, it, it, interesting mix that we have right now, Dave, because – 
you know, two years ago, COVID season, we're in the Sweet 16, gets canceled. Um, from that team, I only have two guys that were on that on that team with me today, only one in the starting lineup, and that's Wallace. So yeah. Wallace and Devontae Jones are the only two guys that have been in our program for more than a year. We have Grady, who was a transfer, um, and then a bunch of freshmen and sophomores that are in the mix. So, um, you, you know, early on, it was kind of just trying to find identity, right? Like, what's going to be your role on the team? What's your expectation to help us win games? And, and I think right now, um, you know, we, we got guys have found their identity. They understand what we need them to do to help help win a game. And uh, I, th I think guys are filling the roles nicely that way. Got a grind ahead of you. Again, it's not over by any stretch of the imagination. Um, sorry, I'm double-checking so I don't get it wrong. Obviously, you still have the game against Oswego. That'll be your penultimate game at home. You'll finish with Oswego and Buffalo State. But you're on the road, as we mentioned, at Geneseo, that you know 45-minute to an hour travel tomorrow. Uh, Potsdam and, and Plattsburgh will be home games, then road only on to Platt, New, Plot, New Paltz, geez, and then back home. So you get the alternation, which is common. How, how, how do you... How do you prep the team for the grind here? How do you get them focused? Yes, at the game at hand, but understanding there's a lot at stake here. It'd be great if the conference tournament, obviously, was coming through uh, Tuttle North Gymnasium. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, that's that's the goal to try to to try to make sure it's a, a, at our place. But you know, like like you said, Dave, and I, I don't want to be too coach speak with you here. Like that's 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 a long ways down the road. Um, you know, we've had a bunch of games that we won close, um, you know, and, uh, you know, the, to, to look ahead to Geneseo and not look at the Geneseo, you, you know, the teams that are in front of us. This is truly a team right now with our youth that, that we, we got to make sure we're taking care of it, the, the, the one ahead of us. And, uh, you know, I've had a lot of people, hey, what about, you know, national rankings? You guys aren't ranked. What's the regional rankings going to be like? Do you have a shot in an at-large bid? We just got to control what's in front of us. Um, I, I think if we do that, that stuff will take care of itself. And, you know, um, it's uh, – but, yeah, to, to your point, I, I'd be completely lying to you if you said the ultimate goal is not to make sure that that SUNYAC tournament is, is played at our place because um, I don't think anybody wants to go in and play a Swigo at a Swigo after getting a W there. Yeah, no, that's that's true too. You get the win there and then you got to go back. That would that that would kind of sting. Just a little bit. We've asked all the coaches us to pivot a little bit. Um, we, you know, the Concordia Chicago scenario, uh, the situation at Albion, and now the, the the case at Mary Harden Baylor, all very different, but all part of the overall coaching um, world, as it were. The language you use, the the efforts you make, the histrionics, or whatever you need to manage or utilize to keep your team motivated, to get the message across, whatever it is. You've been in coaching a long time. I'm pretty sure what you were doing at the beginning of your coaching days are not what you're doing now, and that's not a knock. Just things change in a lot of ways. But how difficult or how challenging is it, not in a negative light, but just in the sense of understanding your team and being a state institution, you get different players than some others do. They come from different backgrounds and they have different goals. Sure. So, um, yeah, I've got this question from, from more than just you, right, Dave? And, and for, for me, first, it starts with, with relationships with your team, right? Building relationships to the, to the point where, you know, they allow you 
to coach them hard because they know that you have their best interest in mind and the program's best interest in mind and try to kind of cultivate that family atmosphere of, you know, we're all in this together. And, you know, as far as the, 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 the language is concerned, um, I'm by no means a, a, a saint when it comes to that. And, but it's gotten a little bit better since I was 29 years old. My first, let's be honest, Greg, there aren't a lot of saints out there when it comes to language. So, it's um you know for me as far as coaching guys hard, I don't think things have really changed all that much. It, to to me at the base level, if you're creating that relationship with them, where they know that they can trust you and you can trust them, right? And you go into practice and they feel like you all you have their best interest in mind, not only yourself but the staff. Young people still want, want to be coached, and they'll still accept coaching. Now, is it a little bit different, maybe as to um how they handle it after, do they ask a little bit more questions after the fact? Um, yeah, that, that, that may happen, but um, I honestly don't see that much of a, a, of a difference other than, um, you know, in certain environments, you just got to be careful what you say, who's around, et cetera. Absolutely fair. Uh, and I appreciate the insight. And that's why we're asking coaches because everybody's got a different perspective on it from their world. And every world is a little bit different. And it's also based on the institution you're at. It's based on a lot of other X factors that we can't all account for. So I appreciate that. Yeah, um, I totally agree with that. Appreciate your time. Great to hear more about Brockport. Yeah, I, I remember that magic you guys produced uh, at Johns Hopkins in what we didn't realize was going to be the norm for a while. Empty gymnasiums took full advantage of that. You guys Right? Yeah, that, right. Was, yeah, that, was right year, yeah. that was the year before. Oh, that was I the year before. Right. You were there the year, year before, before and knocked every right. Yep. See, I knew I convert something didn't seem right about that. Yep. And then the, the COVID year was at our place. And we, we Right, you were at your place. Right. Sorry about that. Yes, because I, I remember the I remember you guys kinda uh it it wasn't the second round game everybody expected it to be. And you guys put on you guys put on a show that year. And I'm sorry, yes. The next year you were at your place uh, when everything came unglued after that but sorry <laughs> it's no all starting to blur together it's, it's sad not like you see a lot of a lot of basketball yeah just there. just a wee bit i should remember it better though um but thanks for the time i appreciate it the insight and, and your conversation always good to chat with you and i appreciate you coming on listen we're gonna have to do a side by side between you and jason we'll figure it out um right. have a little competition maybe um see if he's even paying attention to any of this uh, in the meantime, we always give the guests the final word. Any final thoughts you want to share with those who may be tuned in? No, they appreciate all you do. Um, you know, just to, to everybody that's not familiar with the SUNYAC, um, good style of basketball, pay attention. Um, I, I love our league this year. I think there's a bunch of really good teams at the top, and uh, it's going to be fun here to, to, to end the year. Good luck to our women's team, um, who's also in a battle as well. And uh, shout out to my little kid, Sis, who's the uh, – Women's coach at Nazareth College. Her team's having a, a nice year as well. Yeah, good call, sir. Uh, yeah, Nazareth worth watching, to say the least, on both the men's and women's side. Uh, we didn't even get into the East conversation there because we just didn't have a tough time. But the East is fascinating to watch. Two there, no doubt about it. Yeah, U.S. Oswego, Rochester, Nazareth. St. John Fisher with a big win over Naz this yes. week. Greg, yeah. thanks for the time. Take care of yourself. Look forward to catching up with you down the road. Thanks so much, Dave. Appreciate it. Greg Dunn joining us on the Blue Frame Technology Hoopsaw Hotline out of Brockport. Really appreciate his time and insight. Take a break. Wrap things up. You're listening to Hoopsaw presented by D3Hoops.com for the WBCA NABC studio. We'll uh, 
put some ducks in a row when we come back. These are your teams, your players, your community of fans. This is where they play, where they practice, where you cheer at every meet, every event, every game. Your community is passionate, dedicated, supportive. You know the tension of a close game and the thrill of the win. So while you're cheering, keep an eye out for anything out of the ordinary. If you see something suspicious, say something to local authorities. used to never really talk, ever. Uh, I was afraid if I said something wrong, everyone would laugh at me. But then I started to play golf with Special Olympics. It helped me to find my voice. And now everyone else is speechless. We've got more schools than Division One, more fans than Division Two, and more upsets than March Madness. There's 800 programs with over 11,000 games leading to two national championships. And we've been covering it all for over a decade. From Eastern to Occidental, from Puget Sound to Piedmont, from Southwestern to the University of New England, and from Hope to Calvin. Nobody covers Division Three basketball like we do. We're D3Hoops.com at www.d3hoops.com. I learned a lot of valuable lessons playing college football. I never thought about the health benefits of exercise until I actually started to talk to coaches in college. It's not only just for performance, it's for life. My coaches instilled the importance of well-being, not only building up strength, mental health, getting enough sleep, eating properly, it's all what it is to be healthy. I decided that I want to go on a personal trainer and share my knowledge that I obtained in college about physical and mental well-being. Welcome back to Hoopsville, everybody, as we wrap up a very busy show. A couple of comments on Twitter that caught my attention. One, Ryan Scott, who's catching up on the program saying he's all here for mainstreaming the problems with the D3 Hoops non-conference SOS. Of course, he wrote a column on that. We retweeted that, and we talked a little bit about that with Sarah and Megan. Uh, Max Fan replied, yes, I'm looking forward to the day that gets fixed. Let me emphasize something that's very clear. It may not get fixed. The ladies pointed out it has to go through legislative, and that's the convention where they vote on things, which to me surprised me. I'm surprised that's a legislative thing, and I am going to be diving into that further. That's where you really go in, into some deep holes trying to figure that all out. But we have to figure out if membership, since it's legislative, if membership is actually interested in changing that, it's got to be put up to a vote, and majority wins. I've seen times where things we thought was going to get voted through didn't. So let's let's keep in mind that might not get fixed. And, and, and at the earliest it can get fixed, it's next January. 
And by what I'm reading between the lines, Sarah saying, looking forward to getting, you know, when she's off the men's committee and more on a national committee, or at least working on the national side of things on the championships committee, it may not even come up in January. It, I'd have to check with her more and get more details, but that allude that alluded to me that maybe that's not even going to be a conversation in a legislative piece, uh, piece in January 2024. And if that's the case, you're not looking into legislation until January 2025, and that means it's not a fix on the books for any sport until 25-26 academic year. Think about how far away that is. So we're not going to get it for next academic year, plain and simple. That's not happening. So this, this non-conference math will not be fixed for next year. That's one year gone already. So we've lost this, you know, how many years we've been doing it so far. We don't get it fixed for next academic year. The earliest it'll be fixed is for 24, 20, uh, sorry. Yeah, 24, 25. Maybe not 25, 26, if at all. So just understand how this works. That may not get solved anytime soon. Um, That's just an interesting dynamic. Ryan also pointed out, I don't know how I forgot this one. We were talking to Sarah about being the first chair of the National Committee, and we said maybe the first woman to serve on the Men's Basketball Committee, period. How did we forget about Linda Bruno, who is retiring, by the way, at the, at the end of the academic year as the, as the commissioner of the um, Skyline Conference? She served four years. I know she, from what I'm told, certainly wanted to be chair at one point. That was about the time Brad Bankston was on that committee, right? No. I have that wrong. No, Brad was on a different committee. I apologize. My point being, um, uh, Linda was just rotated off a few years ago. So totally forgot about Linda, and I apologize, Linda. We should have definitely remembered your time on the committee, because that was the time also when um, um, the committee pivoted away from Salem. She was on that committee. She was during that time. So, I, again, I apologize for that for that mistake. A uh, couple of uh, items, again, marathon coming up next uh, Thursday. Uh, we know Louise McCleary will be on the program, the vice president of Division Three. Lots to talk to her about the future of Division Three. Normally we get the committee chairs on, but we just had them this week, so we won't get them on again. We'll get them on later on, probably at the earliest February, probably February 16th. I don't think we'll get them on earlier than that, but I could be wrong. Um. We're also working on some other angles to have on that show. We'll be working hard about that. But, of course, Monday's show at 7 o'clock at this time is going to feature Mark Moorfield. Um, we may blow out the show and get some other guests on to talk about the dynamics involved there uh, and see if there's anybody other, else we can talk about. Not only the Mary Harden-Baylor case, but maybe the Concordia-Chicago case, the Albion case, coaching in general. Um, I'm not sure where that co- that show is going to take a turn, but we'll start focusing on it soon. Interestingly enough, this Saturday I will not be working basketball games, though there's plenty to work, including at my alma mater. I'm going to be tied up uh, web streaming a robotics competition for my son. A little bit of a twist. So, but we'll during that robotics competition try and focus as well on on getting that marathon show booked up along with the Monday show. So a lot of big shows coming up, including as we remind you once again the big announcement um, that we had here. Um, thanks to the women's basketball committee, or both basketball committees, men's and women's, Hoopsville will be the, the uh, exclusive home of the top 16s announcement coming out on February 16th. Uh, we plan to do that live, 7 o'clock. We don't have the formattings done yet. We don't know exactly how we'll do it. But the top 16s will be announced by both men and women's basketball. 
And we will be the exclusive home for those announcements, along with conversations with the committees. And uh, we'll even get our own uh, reactionary panel to talk about all of that, too. So that's coming up February 16th, announced right here on Hoopsville. We appreciate that. By the way, if you're a sponsor, advertiser, telling you there's some big shows coming up, the marathon, the uh, top 16's announcement, selection Sunday, bracket reactions, a lot of big shows coming up on the show. And if you want to help us, please let us know. In the meantime, a lot of you uh, loved um, some of the uh, um, shirts that we've sold in the past. We're looking at a new um, design, and we'll try and get a new window open for anybody who wants to buy a Hoopsville shirt, which benefits us. Um, we got seven shirts, I think, in the last run, which was a little disappointingly low, to be honest with you, but it benefited us about $100. So... Uh, as you can see, a little bit does help. So we'll try and get that up. Maybe all of you can get interested. Different designs to maybe get you enticed uh, to purchase. By the way, D3 Datacast, the, the show, tweeted, as we noted on this week's show, their show, the top 16 was a great addition last year, and we hoped and expected it return. But the form it took last year required some in investment by the NCAA. Great improvement to have it back this year, hosted by D3 Hoopsville. Well, now the investment is on us. <laughs> and that's where the time is going to be dedicated to getting that pulled together. Um, we'll try and use our resources as best we can, uh, but we look forward to doing that nonetheless. I want to thank our guests from Center, Wendy Austin from Concordia Moorhead, Kim Wagers from Calvin, Bill Saul, and from Brockport. Greg Dunn. I also want to thank especially the sports information directors at those institutions. Of course, Jeff Phoebus uh, at, um, at Calvin, who always does great work helping us out. Um, also want to thank, I uh, apologize because I want to get them right, Jim Sella at Concordia Moorhead, uh, Lara Russell, and the entire crew at Center who I bugged on uh, when I should, I, I screwed up. I didn't need to bug them, um, but I accidentally did. Uh, also, Sean Kemp. Uh, at Brockport for their assistance in getting their guests on the show. Um, again, Mark Moorfield fired at Mary Harden Baylor. That case is uh, interesting, to say the least. We don't have all the facts yet. We have talked to Mark. We got a statement we released at the beginning of the show from Mark. We have tweeted that statement out along with the statement he gave uh, Dave Campbell's Texas basketball website. We will have uh, Mark on the show Monday as an exclusive, and uh, we'll have more on that. It won't just be Mark's perspective on that, but we'll trying to figure out how best to do that. I don't think it's cut and dry. Um, there's a video out of the incident and in where he did um, uh, use swearing and um, was very hard on his team. He has a perspective on that. One student at least has a different perspective on that. We've also, there's, there's some other things to dive into. It is not cut and dry. It's not black and white. Um, so we'll get Mark's perspective. We'll try and get the other side perspective. We'll try and get the university's perspective, if at all possible. We'll also try and get more on the Steve Kohler situation at Concordia Chicago. He is out as basketball coach. Um, certainly um, a, an interesting development, to say the least. Um, and so we'll talk, because something apparently has developed at, at that institution that changed the opinions of administrators. Uh, and Jody May still in a job at Albion, which is what it is, but we will find out the latest there if we possibly can. It seems like the team's moving forward after an incident regarding Jody May saying some uh, racial words um, and repeating what a student athlete did that he kicked them out of practice for. Um, we'll see if we can get some more information on all of that. Uh, re quickly, I feel we're not doing enough justice to how great the last couple of nights of basketball were and what has been a great couple of weeks. Uh, dates back to Tuesday when St. John Fisher upset Nazareth at St. John Fisher. 
on a very good game, though not very well web-streamed. I don't know if it was a a stretch problem or there was a problem on the campus, but everybody had buffering issues. I don't like to blame the campuses first. I've been in those situations. It's not always them. 90% of the time, it is the end user. But since it was multiple ones of us, now I start to wonder if Stretch had some issues with their streaming um, because that's usually the next point of of pressure um, before it gets back to the college Um, but nonetheless still a good win for the cardinals in that case then last night mount union and st john care or st john carroll john carroll john carroll getting the win at home against mount union uh that they have now split the season between the two making the oac race even more interesting north park with a huge win over wheaton to now share the the uh, first place rankings in the CCIW. Hope women look like they've gotten back on track. They absolutely rolled over trying last night. Hampton Sydney with a huge win over Guilford, by the way. Uh, Hampton Sydney is in second place in the conference race. And when people asked me the other day why I didn't have Guilford ahead of Williams in my top 25, it was a game like this that I was thinking of. I, I wasn't sure Guilford was was really a team that was anything better than Williams, so I could flip and flop him and do all that. Because I did think I didn't think Guilford was going to get through the rest of conference schedule unscathed. Because I think they're a really good team, but I don't think they're great. By the way, I don't think that a lot of teams are great, to be honest. But Hampton City with a huge win. Caleb Kimbrough has turned that program around quickly. Um, we'll probably get Kimbrough on the show at a later date. In the meantime, Whitewater with a huge win over lacrosse, which gives Oshkosh a bigger lead in the WIAC race. That is bonkers nuts. We'll talk. Uh, and Whitewater has a story there that you're. they lost a player over the summer. And I'm wondering how much that's fueling them. Ryan Scott pointed that out on Twitter last night. That was certainly pretty big. Um, Worcester, by the way, on top of the NCAC, uh, after getting a win over Ohio Wesley in 72-64. That's a sneaky good race going on. I think it gets overshadowed by the OAC. I think it gets overshadowed by a lot of other things. But the NCAC is having a really good season. Um, Rowan is stays on, uh, undefeated on top of the NJAC. They absolutely smoked TCNJ by 18. Um, so much going on in women's basketball as well. Christopher Newport continues to go undefeated. River Falls um, kind of clipped Eau Claire a little bit last night. Gustavus Adolphus got past Bethel. That race between Gustavus Adolphus and Concordia Moorhead could be really fun to watch. And this is crazy. New Jersey City, they had a bonkers out-of-conference schedule, one that I didn't think made any sense. Uh, started the season 2-9, and nine, but they are now a t- um, uh, sharing first place, co-leading the NJAC right now uh, after they got a win over William Patterson, 74-62. Um, by the way, Keen Men, we uh, they were getting a lot of attention the other day. You know they lost four straight? It's amazing when you get into conference play. Ask NYU men about that as well. Um, so lots going on. Go to d3hoops.com, scoreboards, recaps, you name it. There's also D3 boards where you can have a conversation about a lot of the stuff going on. Um, don't shy away. Be a part of this program. Be a part of D3 Hoops. Be a part of everything. We certainly would hope you would. Um, Blazer Bobcat pops in and says he's watching and listening from Albany. Thank you, Georgia, we should point out. Thank you, sir. Appreciate that. I uh, really do. Um, trying to see if there's anything else that I've missed. I don't think there is. Um, I know there's some that want us to react to one student-athlete's comments about Mary Harden-Baylor. We'll deal with that on Monday. Uh, as I've said numerous times, 
Um, we have heard from Mark. We have a lot of information off the record we cannot share right now. But I do feel like this has a little bit of a feel to the U.S. men's soccer situation. I'm not saying it's exact, and I'm not saying we will keep that opinion by the time we get to Monday. But it's not all what everybody wants to sell it. Uh, or no, Let me phrase that. It's not all that some want to sell it. It's not all that others want to sell it. There's some truth in between, and we're going to try and get to the bottom of it. And with that, we wrap things up. I want to thank our partners at the Women's Basketball Coaches Association and the Men's Basketball Coaches Association as well. I also want a, a big thank you to uh, Huddle Blue Frame Technology. Remember, Huddle took over that program. Uh, they have green-lighted being a full-time supporter. We, we thought they were supporters. We were giving them that love, but they are fully on board for the rest of the season. Uh, we appreciate them. We're going to be changing our logos a little bit. All the rest of the way. But again, if you want to be a sponsor, an advertiser, a partner, an investor, or just donate to this show, contact us. We will be putting something more formal together for you donators. Um, donors, sorry, that's not the right word. Donors. But in the meantime, there are some huge shows coming up. And if you want your product or your company or whatever to get some love and attention, please contact us. And uh, we'd love to have you be a partner of this show. And with that, we wrap it up. Don't forget, we're on Facebook at facebook.com slash hoopsville. We are on YouTube where you can catch simulcast replays of the show, youtube.com slash d3hoopsville. Or just go to team1sports.com slash hoopsville. That's team1sports.com slash hoopsville. That's our blue frame home. Of course, uh, you can also email us hoopsville at d3sports.com at any time as well. And with that, we wrap it up. Real big thank you to Sarah Quadraki and Megan Wilson, the two committee chairs, for coming on this program to talk about things. We did not have enough time to get through everything we wanted to get to. Um, we will save some of those questions for the next time we have them on when we have plenty to talk about as well. That'll be February 16th when we de uh, debut the top 16s in Division Three in men's women's rankings. Remember, that's not the top 25 top 16s. It's a top 16 in terms of where we see the bracketing kind of coming together. It's not perfect. Not everybody's going to be able to host. Christopher Newport's going to be in there twice. I promise you, the men aren't going to be able to host this year. The women will get that right. But it still gives you a bit of a landscape of understanding. And to some of you, it might be a quick reminder that you've got 24 hours to get your hosting paperwork put in. The committee is not calling school saying, hey, you forgot your paperwork. Do you want to host? If you don't put your paperwork in, you're out. Plain and simple. And you can't put it in for one weekend and then ask to put it in for the second weekend later. You either put it in for all or you're not putting it in, or you put in for your one weekend, you don't get it the second because you forgot it or left it out. Uh, I should have mentioned that earlier. And with that, we sign off. I want to thank everybody behind the scenes as well at d3hoops.com, Pat Coleman, Ryan Scott, Gordon Mann, uh, Ira Thor, and others who have helped me. And look forward to being back here Monday night, 7 o'clock, another big show on tap. We'll see how it comes together. And again, the marathon next Thursday. Uh, starting probably around noon Eastern. I gotta go. I got places to be and a basketball game to call. Hopefully, the throat holds out. You've been listening to Hoops Hope, presented by D3Hoops.com from the WBCA and ABC studios. Thanks to our partners at the Women's Basketball Coaches Association, National Association of Basketball Coaches, Huddle Blue Frame Technology, and D3Hoops.com. We hope you will be a partner in the future, but at least make sure you let your friends know about the show, whether you like and request or, or, or review us on the podcast or elsewhere, or you just share the fact that you got to tune in. Because if you want to talk Division Three basketball, you've got to listen to Hoopsville, now the exclusive home of the Division Three NCAA Top 16 announcements.